Take my name off that list. Great show. My clickers are full hard. Live mic. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm going to go ahead and email my patent attorney in the morning. Okay. Looking old English 800. On this show, only old English that Jim ran down to the corner market. And we. I requested a 40-ouncer, by the way. Stuff that I should be pouring on the ground for my homies. So here's how you do a podcast. You should just uh, go to a Mexican restaurant and then just talk to the people at the bar. <laughs> on your phone. Inside the beanie. It's Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, Holmes. <laughs> so welcome to show you know what for i'm gonna clip all that crap out that we just did no when, when i edit it down people like it when we're fools fool are you dope fool <laughs> uh. <laughs> is, uh george has been practicing his cholo whistle all day for this show um and if you are uh if you're out trick-or-treating then you're missing a dope show fool <laughs> we don't have any kids, so we don't have to worry about the trick-or-treating, eh? Um, hey, this show would not be possible without the help of a couple of our sponsors. Do you want to read them off, George, so I can take a sip of this uh, OE? It says Tech Talk Taco Tuesday 205, but it's 207. Yamaha, Takomoto, Scott Sports, Climb, DDC, Trail Tech, Fast Company. Somebody got erased. Somebody didn't pay their bill. Then we go on to Bulletproof Designs and Double Take Mirrors. Don't forget to do your shopping on Amazon or Rocky Mountain Motorcycle and ATV by clicking through the links on the Support Dirt Bike. It doesn't cost you anything. You still go in there and you get in your account, and Jimmy gets a little kickback, a little shill money from them. I can buy more Old English, hey? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, um... Some other things, uh, the Kirk Caselli Ride Day is on uh, December twenty, uh, December 2nd. So if you're making plans, uh, that's a good uh, foundation to support. Uh, it's It'll be at Paula Fox Raceway. So Utah Desert Racer, who's right in between, he says, are we Cholos or Canadians, eh? Oh. We should go homes. Could be Canadians. Canadians. <laughs> Later in the show, we'll transform yeah. <laughs> and identify as Canadians. How'd this Cholo thing come about in the last two days? I mean, it wasn't. And you know what? I I can just see this day and age, everybody's blasting us. You know, it, it's like doing the, what's the blackface thing or something, you know. They, but what was the conversation we had yesterday about, it came up and you brought it up and you said, no, I grew up with these guys, and this is the kind of stuff they. Well, I was did holding up the they, wall, you know, and we were whistling. You said, "What?" Yeah, the, we, we were, I think we were whistling at the cat. Maybe we, we were trying to whistle at the cat, and I'm like, That's "Or it. no, I was stand, just sitting there with my arms crossed, oh, looking at you with a blank stare, which I do a lot of." And and he says, "Oh, you look like some chol over there. You know, you're gonna do your whistle. <laughs> you know, this is how these guys stand." We started doing and, the the Google searches, and, and sure I was enough. being complimentary when I said cholo. Right, exactly. It wasn't <laughs> any kind of gig yeah, or nothing. It was a pretty it was solid. Like, it was a pretty solid well, blank stare. And you, and you kind of squatted down, and leaned against a building. I yeah, said, I yeah. Held these it up. guys sit around like that, <laughs> like they're in the prison yard in the corner or something. But no, it was all good. Good, yeah. you know. I want to bring those days it's ha- back. It's Halloween. We can do this. I want to bring those days back when you can make fun at any culture, any belief system, or anything. Well, when I, it's we, not we, mean-spirited, we, it's is, all in fun, and everybody's doing it back yeah, and forth. We're, we're, a motor, we're a motorcycle show. We talk anyway. about motorcycle and motorcycle-related I know, but, but that's my political rant. Well, we don't. it wasn't even political. It's just, it's just life skills. So sometimes we can actually talk about life skills on this show, which is really strange. Uh, but... 
Because we have we have some experiences, like, like Jimmy the plumber. I, I was a plumber today. Mm-hmm. I was a plumber, but works underneath the mobile home. What's that? That's I I I maybe I learned about that with my time in the pen. That was the skills they they taught me. It eh? could be. <laughs> so, uh, but when you um, uh, I was I, I sort of lost my train of thought, but I still have it. We grew up in a time when. If you did something stupid, your friends, your best friends, your mentors ridicule, ridiculed you. They made you feel, they made you know how dumb or stupid it was. And they picked on you. And they threw out all kinds of slurs and names and bad things. And, and the more you tried to act like it wasn't stupid, the more you got more picked you, on the more until you, you the just, more, the more you, you got it. laughed yourself at yourself and said, yeah, that was pretty stupid. Yeah, and everybody and, moved on. Yeah, 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 exactly. You, you, you moved on. But it was like, they wouldn't do that to you if they didn't like you. Because they, they yeah. needed they needed to push buttons, they needed to poke at you and push buttons, and uh, and it worked for me at least. I mean, well, questionably, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, life skills here on the on the uh, YouTube's. But anyways, now we just lost four of our eight followers. Or something. Where do you see the numbers up there? They, they said Rex Staten was a plumber. He was a boxer too, by the way. And and you did not want oh, to. Oh, wait, wait. Flying you, Brian is back. Hold on. Flying Brian. So that is Brian Love up in Montana. I hope you don't mind me releasing that because I know you're kind of quasi-witness protection. So last I heard, mm-hmm. Flying Brian got all pissed because you were saying um, this name, Flying Brian, or no, Brian Love knows you. Or something I see. I'm going, put it in context, put it in context. So then I I go back and I go, yeah, I don't know. And and my buddy t- that knows Brian says, mm-hmm. Yeah, Brian's all pissed. He's done with tech talk. So I'm glad he's back because oh, I, what, I didn't know who he was. And I said, Well, I, I didn't have the screen. I couldn't read. I'd know that I know flying Brian. I didn't what, know Brian what, Love. What did I, what did I what did I do to offend him? And maybe I can push back well, I don't know. a little bit harder. We gotta, you know. I don't know, but I'm glad you're back, Brian. Anyway, uh, hey, thanks everybody for joining in, watching us live. If you're listening to this on uh, in the podcast format, we are a stupid show that's uh, on Facebook and YouTube on Tuesday nights. We we will go up against anything: presidential debates, Halloween. We don't care. We'll take you on, that's and true. we're the most important motorcycle show on the YouTubes or the Facebooks or in a podcast format because we will tell you how to fix your motorcycle or motorcycle product-related question. We don't have any skin in the game other than our reputations. And look at the way we yeah. dressed. I mean, there's no place for them to go but up. <laughs> so yeah. big, big, big news coming later about the whole Rooster Endo. We're going to talk about Rooster Endo rooster later. Rooster Endo. Might have special guest on. Yeah, we're going to talk about, about some Rooster Endo. You know, I know a lot of you guys have been waiting to see and what Victor happens. wants to know if we're drinking Pruno. No, we'd like to save that for the special occasions. Yeah, but we were, <laughs> yeah. The problem was we couldn't do the Pruno in the other house because there's no water in the toilet to... You know, brew it in because the water system went out, and Jim's been under there working on that for a couple of days. Off it was it was a it was a rough rough couple of days, my friends. Uh, it was a, it was a long rebel rally. Rally, yep, good um, one, good one, long one. Uh, came back, had to get ready for a school. Had a good school this weekend. Taught a lot of people some awesome dirt biking skills, and now you might be able to win some Baja beef jerky tonight too. 
depending on what door you pick. Right now that we're saving all those, all, don't give all the ideas away at once. No, I'm just priming them. Right, we'll talk about it later, or maybe not. Hey, so we're gonna go to uh, <laughs> Victor's lit with all of his comments right now. We're gonna go to our, we're gonna go straight to our questions because we had a question from Dave Donnelly that he's been trying to get asked for a couple weeks now. Yeah, it's even in our list twice for today. And we're gonna. Um, get get to the questions that are popping up in the chat as well. I'm pretty sure I can scroll back through those things. Oh, man, it's so difficult here. Too many buttons. I'm lucky I got the sound working or I'd still be panicked. Uh, so what does Dave Donnelly want to know? He just want, he wants to ask about uh, explain the high-speed and low-speed compression settings. How do they interact? And what's a good baseline setting, which I think you've gotten... Baseline settings. You've talked about that. We've you know, definitely answered this uh, question before. Okay, here I fool uh, tube versus moose. We're going to get to that. And what's your thoughts on the Climb F three, uh, David Creek? Uh, Climb a sponsor of the show. I will get to those questions on the on the on the Instagrams before I hang up on you. But uh, here's here's the high and low speed. So it's generally talking about a shock, unless you have really factory forks, you're not going to have that in the front fork. But high speed compression. And low-speed compression. Low-speed is what most shocks have. If you have a clicker on your shock, it adjusts the low-speed uh, damping force in that shock. A typical shock has low-speed compression, rebound dampening, and then more. most, most modern bikes these days have high-speed compression as well as spring preload. So these are all the different things you can do. But he's asking the difference between high-speed compression and low-speed compression. And I at the end of the show, show 206, I kind of just quickly went over. And what I said is it has to do with shaft speed, not the speed of the bike. And so many people think it has to do with the speed of the bike. It has nothing to do with the speed of the bike. It's all to do with how, how quickly the shock is moving. The shock shaft is moving inside there. And when it's moving slow, it's not moving fast enough to affect the high-speed compression and so it's using the the low speed adjuster and the shims on the the shims inside of the shock are kind of always working but they're more of what we would call like mid speed and then when a lot of them collapse when it starts when it moves very quickly like it it hits something very quick it collapses all those it's flowing so much that the 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 low speed adjuster is pretty much maxed out it's flowing the maximum and then it works into this high speed. And sometimes they build that into, even on the stack, the, the shim stack as well, it's built into there somewhat. But there's an adjuster that when all of a sudden all this fluid tries to move, all the shock fluid tries to move quickly, this is the only avenue it has. And you can adjust essentially the preload on that adjuster to make it either flow more or less. So... So are they totally independent? Does if you adjust a lot of high speed, will it affect your truly your low speed adjustment? The my my it depends on the way that the shock is set up, and this is the internal valving. But generally, the high speed doesn't really affect the low speed so much. But the low speed having a very open low speed adjuster can make the high speed less effective. In other words, it it can it can it won't push enough fluid to affect the high speed 
so it's slowing it down at the low speed before it gets crank, to the high speed. If you crank speed. your low speed in a lot, that starts locking out. It works into the mid speed. So when the shock starts moving quickly, I mean, when it moves really quick, it just goes straight into high speed. It it basically plugs everything up, and then that's the only avenue. Do those shims actually physically move and oh, jam yeah. together like that? Yeah, yeah So they, it closes they, they, off one yeah, option they, and pushes it to another. Correct. They they bend and flex, and and it and it and it controls the flow of the oil. Is cool. what happens inside the inside of the shock body, so so the in theory that's how it works. What you feel is something completely different. And uh, somebody says, "Curly Curly Stoker says, I feel like I'm watching an episode of WWE Hulk Hogan." They're with you, huh? Jorge Hulk Hogan? Yeah, yeah, he's washed up too. <laughs> <laughs> and Victor Andrade, I think earlier said he has an issue with shaft speed that he oh, wants to discuss. So he wants to discuss maybe we should have him call in another show on that. Yeah, we'll work on the other <laughs> show. But okay, so think of high speed compression more about the ride height, which is really strange. So you know how you set your your sag on your shock, your spring preload on your sag. Well, that's when the bike's not moving. But the funny thing about high speed compression is when you add high speed compression, it causes the bike to ride a little bit higher in the stroke almost all the time and then less will let it ride a little bit lower in the stroke and i think that's because they're, they're the shock is actually doing a lot of high speed movement so putting in a, a lot it, of high speed compression might make it softer for the most part would so it, high so stroke? high speed compression because it because it will kind of try to hold it high you know up higher in the stroke it could but I've never really used it that way. I mean, I, I remember a couple of times when we did try that to to get it to hold up in the stroke a little bit more. But it also, there's a point where you cross this threshold where it just gets really harsh. Where all of a sudden, the 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 shock just like it's it is like like when you have too much rebound, it packs. You know, it mm-hmm. holds it down. Too much high speed compression can cause it to hold extended too high, and then it it gets literally just way too stiff. Um, and then, and then the funny thing about that is then you can go through like a nice roller and your shock will just blow right through the stroke, hmm. you know, because that's low speed. That's a low speed, uh, type of a thing. But I use it to adjust the kind of the ride height. If I want the rear end of the bike up a little bit higher, I use high speed to hold it up. And then if I want it to be a little bit lower, I use it to bring it back down. I don't really use it to adjust like how the shock kind of performs. I use low speed. For more of okay, I want it stiffer. I want it softer. So part of his question also was um, baseline setting. Start in the middle somewhere and go all the way one way, and then all the way back the other uh, way. Or well, something. okay. Do? So start with the manufacturer, where, you know, wherever they have it, and generally it's someplace in the middle. Uh, a quarter turn is a lot on a high speed compression adjuster, in my experience. So if you want to experience, go whatever stock is, turn it a half turn more, ride it. And then turn it, you know, another half turn the opposite direction. So full turn out and, and go, you know, so so if you want to experience it, but do the exact same thing, like hit the exact same set of bumps or whatever. So you so you're comfortable with it or ride the same section of trail. And that's that's how you would, you know, feel it for yourself. But I usually do it an eighth of a turn. And some of them have clicks, but a lot of them just it's just a, it's just a big nut. You're just. Uh, preloading a spring inside there so 
do do that. So, anyways. So you know how I adjust my preload because you saw me. I just put on a shock on my bike and I was adjusting all there. Yeah, you bounced it up and down and said, "What do you think?" Yeah, Jimmy's across the shops changing tires on his knees, and I pull up and down on the back of my fender and. He says, I think that's a little tight. You better loosen it up about a turn or so. I loosen it up, turn, and I look at it. Then we're fine. Did you measure it? You really, yeah. You really yeah, sh- I looked at it, and no, I said, really that's about three quarters of an inch. You really should have I didn't pulled- need to. You were there. The, uh, you should have pulled out a tape measure master. and measured it, because of the, when you showed it to me at first, it was about a half inch of free sag, and then I never saw it after that. But it was too much, so I said, take a turn out of the shock, shock spring. Yeah, well. That's the right. Holmes. I should measure it. <laughs> but then the real world. It's, you got to hold the chin up, eh? No, that's not good. Hold yeah. Chin up. Which one? For me. <laughs> okay. That's what this collar does. I can tuck three of them down in the collar and they'll hold them tight down. Okay. So Climb F3 helmet. That's that's my go-to helmet. That's my favorite helmet. Climb is a sponsor of this show. But I will tell you, um, and the Climb helmet that... I use is the uh, the F3 ECE, not the DOT one, because it's lighter and uh, and it fits better. I you don't had know tier, tube versus moose on the grams. I think that's been answered yeah. a bunch, but anyway, uh, tube versus Jim and I had this uh, debate. Okay, the other day, you know, we were talking because he's a moose guy. He likes a moose thing because, and basically, he said he doesn't like to carry all the stuff to change a tube. And I said, doesn't bother me to carry that stuff to change a tube really or to ride home on a flat doesn't bother me a lot (laughs) (laughs) that bothers my i i hate losing my ride to a flat you know and will i carry this stuff it depends on where i'm going you know and usually i'm glad to end my ride however it ends so i'm happy to ride home on a flat tire (laughs) excusatron there we go so that's the uh, tube versus moose yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of it's you know it's expensive you know the moose is expensive. Not Jim's. He gets like five thousand miles out of a moose. What? What? How? What'd you get out of that one? Forty five hundred. Forty five hundred out of a front moose, and he put it back. No in. back moose, wasn't it? No, it was front. He forty five hundred miles out of a. You're using Michelin. Michelin moose. Yeah, he ran a Michelin. Forty five hundred. Just he's a he's a casual, um, dual sport slash adventure rider, um, on a KTM five hundred with a big tank, and yeah. He, Put, down the road put, 60, 70 miles an hour. Oh, you don't, you don't, you don't regulate, you don't have a regulator, so you can, can only go 45 miles an hour on the pavement. You, whatever speed you need to go. No, but on the other hand, you got this instrumentation on there, so you get scared because you see it drops to nine volts and you don't want to turn off your bike. I don't have that problem because I don't know how many volts it's got. Yeah, see, Victor comes from the other side where he says tubes feel better somehow. And that's to his wallet, eh? I just haven't had that many failures with tubes. <laughs> and, you know, I just don't ride to that degree where I'm, you know, shoving it into the rocks. Yeah, so you can get a lot of miles. If you, but if you ride hard, you can beat them up and you can be done with them in <clears throat> 500 miles if you do it right. You know, you can go to either extent on the... Tube versus moose, but it's generally for most people, it's a cost. It's a cost issue to start with. I think I averaged out and then mileage, and I came up with it averaged out to be like thirty okay. miles per hour. So, miles per oh, he he rides them at an average of thirty-two miles per hour on his on his thing. Yes. But for most people, when they when they do this, it's like I said, 
how how important is it that you don't have a a, a tube related problem? And if you know if you're spending a lot of money to go to a race or spending a lot of money to go on a, a special ride where you don't want to have it, maybe at that point it's it's definitely worth it. I run a little bit of everything. I have a lot of different stuff, and frankly, I don't care that much unless it's real important that I don't have a failure. Then I make sure that I have moose on the bike, and I have moose that's um, ready to go high speed, like I'll call it rally ready. So if we do rally training and stuff where I can't have a failure, I have ones that are they're brand new, they're in stiff tires, they're ready to go, and then I have trail riding moose that are rally ones that have been used two or three times that are now too soft, like Jim was talking about. And maybe they're even cut and, uh, and, uh, I put chunks, extra chunks inside of there to, to stiffen it up. Uh, so, and I use a lot of different ones. I prefer the nitro moose. Those are the ones I have the most experience with. And, and when, if I were going to buy one, that's what I would buy to get the nitro moose. Cause I know that it's, fits in the tires that I run, the Kendas, and I would go there and I know exactly how much time or the, it's not time. It's really the feel when they start, you know, fading. I know when it goes, okay, it's, it's done being a rally moose. Now it's a trail riding moose and the trail riding moose. I pretty much run until like gym experience. It doesn't hold the tire on the beat anymore. You know, it's gone from feeling like, you know, it starts out at like 16 PSI kind of works its way down to 13, 14 stays there for a while when it's in a tight, you know, it's in a tight tire. Then it starts going down to like 11 and then it, that's time for trail riding moose. So it's, hmm. it's, it's that. So, you know, Victor's got a comment up there. We don't have to read it back, but you know, only Victor would know there's a market for what he's searching for there on Facebook marketplace. Right. <laughs> what is? I, I had no idea there was a market for, uh, Use pleasure devices there. <laughs> He's going to line his tire with that and uh, try it and see if it's more pleasurable ride. And uh, Dave Donnelly wants to know, so in mooses, is the Michelin better for long rides? So here's my, what I've learned from using all the different mooses. And there's, there's even, there's some new ones that are showing up. There's all different things. The person that installs the moose determines how long the moose will last. That's 95% of the time, it's the person that installs it. Do they have the right technique? Are they putting the right lube in there? Are they, are they, you know, are they matching the right moose to the tire? All this stuff. That's going to make about 95% of the determination. And then the second thing is you need to know how hard you're riding. If you're pounding, you know, Baja hoops and stuff like that, your life is going to be a lot, your moose life is going to be a lot different than what, Jim has. So it's, it's those two things, but, and when somebody says, I don't use this moose for that reason, uh, I always say, well, what bad experiences did you have? And then I start asking them about when they installed it and they go, oh, the guy at the shop installed it. I'm like, well, good. He didn't put enough lube in there or he didn't do a very good job matching the moose to the thing. And then now you've had a bad experience or your buddy had a bad experience. You watched smoke come out of their tire because they put too small of a moose or more often than not, the guy installing it broke the bead on the tire and the tire popped off and they blame the moose, even though it was a broken bead. So 
Hmm. Those are the those are the th- this is the this is the common sense no bullshit answer you get on this show. Is there a better brand? I, I'm I'm completely convinced that out of the ones all the ones that I've used, Michelin and Nitro Moose are the two best. And can I say one is better than the other? No, I have no I have no proof that one is better than the other. And like I said, I've used both of them. I've I've had both of them fail at different times. Uh, done all different kinds of things and you can ask everybody and you might as well ask them oh and by the way tell me what's your favorite two-stroke oil and what motor i should oil i should run in my four-stroke and the information about the moose and then then judge do you need to shut them off now the grams oh yeah we need to shut them off and take a take a you only get take so our much guy. of that right yeah Anyways, thanks everybody for joining on the Instagrams and make sure we didn't miss any questions. There's a lot of people have long ass names on the Instagrams, but they don't pay attention for very long. And so, uh, low Jamarito, that's whose uh, moose question we answered there. So, with that, we'll see you out in the trail. I'm hanging up on you, and now, and uh, what's next? What's our next question? There was another one I highlighted. It was um, up there. Well, you had some talking points here. Okay. Testing WR450F counter shocks. Scott's things pads. Things testing. Huh? WRF maps. <coughs> Tour tech suspension. Okay, those are things you, you're testing. More about that later. Later. No, we can talk about that now as soon as I <coughs> sneeze. I, I gave I, him the COVID. I, I showed up last week I might week be allergic to the, to the OE. Yeah. I should have poured some on the ground for my homies, but I don't want to pour it on the car. Yeah, you right? know, while you're drinking, I'll bring something out here uh, mm-hmm. you've all heard about probably wondered about but oh it's a a gold medal here won by somebody not jimmy sitting in front of you look look out how, how that dwarfs these little what are those the international house <coughs> i knew i was allergic metal. to something that 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 that, that fake that's a that gold medal metal. united <laughs> united states police if like you're watching, if you're if you're listening, fire to this, and police championship. If you're listening to this and you're just disgusted by me sneezing and you wonder if COVID can go through the 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 radio, it it can't. But George just uh, he's, he's disgracing my studio right now by posting his gold medal uh, that he won. Uh, let's see if I can get you on the. I wonder if a George camera works better for this one. If I push the wrong button, I'll shut the whole damn show down. Is the problem? I got to be really careful about this. We know that. Dwarfs those if you, if ISD you, what? What were those? Did you even have to work very hard to get those? Yeah, ISDE. So that was actually a double medal finish because not only did I finish first in that class, I finished last in that class. First and last. Yes. Oh, you, you were the only person in so, that class. Yeah, but so they got, I, they I am still, a medal holder. I'll put that in my bio. I expect it on your school site for that to be on my bio. Oh, we can probably update and that. And while we're on the topic of George's medals, not to take over the show, uh, I have another one here. Uh, uh, I wasn't prepared for any of this. Hold on, I better drink From, it. Uh, well, you were drinking. That's why I went into this. Oh. Gene Woods, racing experience <laughs> winner. Oh. This is another gold medal. Oh, I've and- got race results here. Yeah, they'll have Jimmy just read. Read Go the order. Read. Go ahead and read those. This was. Uh, hold on, first play. Wait, ring. Can't we just get to the uh, questions here? Hold on a second. Anyway, I thought I had 
Yeah, there's there's two race results here. Uh, yeah, you can read those two race results there, Jimmy. Okay, hold on. I'll just find another place to put this up while you're reading those race results. Okay, people wonder about this show sometimes, I think. Um, let's see. Heather, Heather Lewis? Wait, I gotta pull the... Wait, which... What are, where, oh, here we go. Uh, George... George Justice, Jimmy Lewis, Eric Muxlow. Yeah, I think that's what Carrie Justice. That yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I think I have the fastest lap time, though, don't I? Well, that might have been in that race. I believe I beat you on strategy, but I did beat you nonetheless. Okay. And uh, we're and looking at the, the second, the second sheet here. one. Uh, George Justice, uh, Erica Muxlow. Jimmy Lewis, Carrie Justice. So okay. all, all that proves is your wife isn't a very good driver. Well, no, she is a good driver. She just wasn't in the go-kart. <laughs> Barney Racing, hello, Jimmy. Hi. I'm a listener of your Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, and here your sponsored plug for Taco Moto. Do you have a discount for them? Question mark. Thank you in advance and for the good podcasts. Well, hope th this one's included in that. Th thank, thank you, thank you for that. Um, every once in a while, I have certain discounts. Uh, you can email me about that if you can figure out my email, which is a super top secret. But um, at the at this moment, no. But think about this: like Taco Moto actually is bringing you this show. They're one of the sponsors that are bringing you the show. So technically, because you're getting information from this show, that should constitute a discount on. The stuff they're getting because there's other shops that are not supporting this show and you go there after you learn something here and then you're not going to get the good service that you're going to get at taco moto that's taco moto.co and speaking of taco moto i'm going to get mike spurgeon from taco moto on to this show very soon while you work on that one way you can get a discount from taco moto is submit a rooster endo uh submission and possibly win that uh, or be shamed, you know, on this show live uh, for well, a motorcycle submission. Well, yeah, we we so we have a, a, a segment called Rooster Endo that we um, do. We we used to do it every show, and then it kind of it was getting difficult because the 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 submissions were coming from all different directions, and then the submissions were going to the guy who used to be here, guy who's not here anymore, guy. He got busy. Yeah, and so we have no more. Uh, uh, some of those may have dropped off the radar through other email channels. But right. Nonetheless, keep submitting them until you see them. Try the, to make an effort to be here live. Maybe that'll be I, a requirement to win. I got a couple of uh, submissions, and I was thinking that we could we could work them into the show. So maybe at the end of the show, we might be able to pull some uh, out of nowhere. Did you sang up on him? Yeah, I did. But I I told him to to call I call in. Here we go. Call in. There we go. And then I can plug him into the thing when he calls. It's all it's all part of the process here, George. It's it's a professional show. Hold on. Hey, you know, you know, have you do you know about my thing? Will we be able to Wah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Taco Mike. Will we be able to hear him? Yeah, we'll be able to hear him. Can you hear him? Mike. What's up, Senior Lewis? Uh Senior Lewis. Uh um Jaime tonight. 
Hey, are we before? Is this before or after? You're, you're live, tequila dude. Tequila session. Uh, we haven't. There's been no tequila. Old English eight hundred on this show. Only old English that Jim ran down to the corner market, and we. I requested a forty ouncer, by the way, just to keep it real, and it came back with the cans. Two twenties. He, he has. Tw- I could actually technically consume forty four ounces of this. This. Uh, Stuff that I should be pouring on the ground for my homies, but <laughs> I'm actually putting it in my throat. But anyways, uh, Mike, welcome to the you show. You can technically do 44. You have a doctor's note for 44. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, hey, uh, good to good to talk to you. Um, I wanted to bring you on the show because you are probably because you're so engaged. And this is your day to day job. I only do this like once a week when I'm not being a plumber. Uh, you can answer, help us answer some of these questions on the show tonight as well. Yeah, I've got as many, you know, free, partially correct answers as anybody else. So why not? <laughs> and and you're you're not being bombarded with trick or treaters at the moment. No, we live out in the rural part of Vegas, and there's just it's horses and pigs and goats, and there are no trick or treaters out here. Okay, and and your kids? Did you 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 send them out with the wife on the trick or treat tour? Yeah, my my son is off at a Halloween party, goofing off with his with his friends, with his homies. homies. So I'm just here, and I can do your. I can talk motorcycle as I want, as long as I want. Oh, that's good. All right, let's let's have a question. Silverhill three seventy seven subscribe subscribed to you three months ago, six days ago. He says, "I'm here almost every Tuesday." Just a suggestion. Maybe you should consider adding the weekly topics in the title so the motorcycle enthusiast will check out your channel more often. Keep up the good work. But if you did that, then people wouldn't listen to them all to try and find some nugget of information. I kind of of agree with that person um, that we should. So should we put what we're going to talk about before the show? Or should we, or is he asking for us to put the things we talked about, like when we upload the show afterwards? I would guess afterwards. So if you're searching through them, you go, yeah, I want to look at that and I'll punch into it. But maybe both. I yeah. don't know. Mike's Mike's more of a internet's guy. What's his hey, opinion? Hey, Mike KMET says, Takamoto adds value by no BS advice. Yeah. Well, that's nice of them to say that. Hopefully, it's true. It, <laughs> you're the boss. You, you you know it's true. <laughs> hey, I got Hopefully a question. It's mostly true. I got a question, Mike, and I don't. I haven't searched lately, but I did a while ago looking on your site. Those little turn signals that were LEDs on the end of a little spring. Remember yeah. those? Do they still make those? I do. You got them? Yeah. So it's a good story. Yeah, it's an interesting story with that. The guy who started that a couple of years ago, he. He was not the original. So the, the the last guy who operated that was that original idea and concept from Stella. And he, this this uh, most recent owner, ran it for a couple of years. Made those. Those were. Oh man! You're tell you the name of it. Jumping in and flew out. out of my brain. Am you, I jumping in out? Can you, you got hear good me okay? seller. Jumped in and out a little. I don't know if it's ours or yours, but keep oh, going. It could be. It could be ours. Keep going. Uh, I'm on the Wi-Fi at my house. It looks pretty strong. It seems like I, I should be getting well, this. You know, it'd, be, it'd be no different than this whole show. It's the shit show into this. So <laughs> keep going. Let's try it. 
you're all getting what you pay for when you watch this, right? So yeah, I like to pr pronounce that all the time. You're not, but <laughs> <laughs> go ahead with the the signals. Yeah, so that guy, um, he operated for a couple of years. It was a side business. He got, he got out of his garage and he did the injection molding, plastic molding in his garage. Talk about like you know trapping a business operated it until he just kind of needed to spend more time on his primary job. And I don't know that it made him a, a much money, but, um, and I looked at it and looked at maybe buying it and operating it and folding it in our business and, um, took a, ultimately took a pass on it. And then happily Daryl from Cyclops is the new owner and has big plans for it. There's no product available, but I predict Daryl will probably release something soon, and I'll be supporting him with it, uh, and, and we'll be stocking them on the site when they are eventually available. So that's kind of the rundown on what's up with those those signals. Okay. Well, thanks. I'll be looking for them. Cool. Yeah, Daryl's a, Daryl's a good guy. I've, I've known him for a long time, and when we were always back in the days, he would always supply lights whenever we did kind of night riding stuff and things, and... Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I ran into him. He was up, I think he was up at Tour Tech. He actually supported some of the little contesty things that we did, some of the games we played <clears throat> on motorcycles up there. So they used to, they started out doing those like H1 replacement bulbs or something, didn't they? Yeah, they had the little, yeah, they had that the H and went into HID and LED. Yeah. They, and they've been in the light game for definitely a, a long time. And Daryl's a good guy. Um, yeah, Daryl's great. He was at the KTM rally last week and he has bought Skeen. So if you guys are familiar with Skeen dimmers, Daryl recently acquired that. So he's, he's building up a nice little base of, um, of components. The, the, that's a dimmer. So that'll actually dim the LED light, correct? Yeah. So that's a pulse width dimmer. And so you can program that. So you're going you to between effectively zero and 100% anywhere in between. It's a, it's a great little, great little component. You, cool. You done any mo more movement on your uh, electrical components kits? All pre-made up. You done anything with that? You have a little schedule, a little menu of what's going to be included in it, and they don't exist yet, but it exists on paper, and so Good. look for that soon. We typically have a list of things we're working on that's maybe, you know, twenty or thirty or forty different ideas and products and it's just it's just that that endless cycle of that's going to be the next thing i work on you know what i mean yeah <laughs> oh we yeah oh, i know i know about the next thing you work on you know i was going to try to make this show better and then <laughs> and then i and then i 207 had, <laughs> episodes in. yeah well but then you know i ended up underneath the house and it's really hard to get on like over the 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 heater the the big heater tube and then you have to go to this place where you have to go under the the um the the shitter line the the the, <laughs> the black stuff and and you barely fit i need to start losing weight just so i can be a better plumber and then there's a tarantula the size of your hand walking outside once he crawls out of there ah, anyway. that's no problem this is my buddy. Yeah. Jimmy, dude, look, you can't get any better. And so the show, because of you, is as good as it can be. Anybody who detracts or says otherwise, there's other shows for them. Okay, so so you you started the EXE and FE. What what's that what's that website that we broadcast to on the on the um the uh Facebooks? Yeah, on the interwebs, it's on the FE. EXC uh, tech talk, uh, tech talk, tech, uh, 
Hell, I don't even know what it's called. Um, <laughs> that did good. I'm not the only one. So, <laughs> so, so you, so you, you started that, and and it's it it's it, it's funny because it it just it's done the life of uh, like an internet forum or just a thing where where it it's a great place to go to get advice, and then everybody finds out about it, and then it then you have people that are jokers, and then people that are really smart, and then people that are trying to sell something and people that are have really good advice. So it's a mix. It's a big mix and it kind of gets a little crowded the space, but it's still really good. But there was, there was a post there uh, a couple weeks ago that, that caught my eye. Uh, it was the most influential people on the KTM uh, 500 EXE. Yeah. Most influential people. And, and strangely enough, you're, you're, you were not listed on there. You were not included as a, no, as a I vote. thought I saw him on there. No, you weren't, you were not a person that you could vote for. Well, because uh, so I aggressively uh, moderated that and I deleted. So this was yeah. not. Oh, you deleted. So you deleted your you name. You manipulated the data. You deleted yeah. your. So you were yeah. Dominion. Yeah. Yeah. So every time somebody would throw up, you know, anything You're... related to me, I would delete it. Okay. Because so, it wasn't about, wasn't so, interested in right, what anybody's right. opinion was. I, right. See I how that. these so, things happen. So, so you, so you took out. So anytime somebody put Takamoto or, or Mike Spurgeon, you deleted it. Instantly. Okay, yep. but I caught it on there. My, once my name, my, got my, my name, my name was up there, and I, I I'm still well, he pretty, deleted you. I'm still. Oh, I got deleted. I was. I was just. No, you're not. Deleted. I was pretty amazed that I got zero percent. No, you got more than that. I voted for you. There were others. In fact, I'm looking right now. Let okay, me, here I open it up. You got I'm control. I was deleted. I was. <laughs> I was pretty proud of that zero percent. I'm like, I'm holding strong. I'm like, I'm like, at least I'm consistent. I, I like consistency. Well, I think I think that people in that and 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 I think it's uh, a, a damn shame that you didn't have the most votes. You should have. No, no, uh, it, no. It's, it's no. I I I I I don't have feelings about this uh, because this is like when I started talking when I said like I, I like that group and I like that forum. But then you you see where it kind of grows and people have. Uh, their attention spans are in different places. Their their influences are in different places. They see different things. Even though we broadcast to that channel once a week with good advice. And a lot of times I post up there, I'm like, Hey, if you have any questions, which is the whole purpose of that form, here's a great place where you can ask them. And we rarely get them. So I'm picking on the form right now, by the way, I see, I see. but um, I was proud of my 0%. I liked, I like to, to hold <laughs> that. And this is a, a guy who uh, show tech talk, taco Tuesday brought to you by Yamaha. Yamaha makes uh, the uh, YZ, the awesome YZ450, the incredible YZ125, my favorite 125 by far and away. I need to get a new one, actually. All these Yamahas, but they they sponsor the show, and what bike did Jimmy Lewis pick as the best bike ever? KTM 500. And nobody threw back some love for that. Like I thought that that group would well, just, I think, yeah, would have embraced me last year or so since Let, you've been riding your Tenere, you've people oh, have kind uh, of thrown you aside on oh. the K, KTM thing. But you do love that bike, the Tenere. Oh yeah, yeah. I I tried to get Jim. I'm trying to get Jim to switch over here. I, I tried to force him to ride my Tenere. Uh, the Tenere Yamaha makes the Tenere the best adventure bike ever known to man. So what am I at? Two percent maybe, Mike. 
Uh, no, you're at one percent, but it's five votes. <laughs> you're you're in the one percenter. <laughs> oh, if if it goes up, if it goes up tomorrow, just delete the whole thread. Just I I would really I'd rather just live at the bottom, the un, unknown. I'm saying, ah, my name was so far. I mean, down look the at this. Look at these clowns up here. We're struggling to keep his relevance. You know, I mean, it happens. You know, I've this ordered, is the general. Hey, Facebook user, you got to log on through your own Facebook account, hey. not the link. Uh, I voted first for you, but didn't know anyone else on the list. Oh boy, who's Facebook? Hey, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Here, here's here's <laughs> the general public. These are people who think Taco Bell and then Pizza Hut are often rated as like the best in their in their classes in restaurants. So you just can't trust the general public. But the people who know, people who know, put. They don't want to give away their their awesome source of uh, KTM influence, but what? <laughs> what okay, let's what's we're, well, let's no, we're not let's done. See we're if not we can done, get back. Done. Let's throw some chains next to the rail so we can drive the wheels back up onto the tracks. We're not done talking about oh, me yet. Okay. So, hey, Mike, are you playing with all your ch your spare chains right now? You know, you know what I'm doing, dude? I am in my uh, I'm in the closet and I'm getting rid of like some clothes. I'm sending some clothes to the oh, uh, thrift store. <laughs> we could have a guess. And it's hangers, man. It's hangers. I want to I want to go use a tool inside the garage and play. What's that sound? That, that was I, I was on another show that I like. Or they, you know they, what you could do is you could say, um, get your ratchet. You know your cordless ratcheting uh -huh. impact driver, and we can put it on a bolt, and you can squeeze it. And you can hear the hammers, and we'll say name that torque, because oh. that's about your torque, how you torque things. It's like, like one click, three clicks, four clicks. Oh, like when I do the counter yeah. shaft versus when I do the seat yeah. bolt. And versus... then you got to back it up with foot pounds, inch pounds, and newton meters. What newton is that meters? Torque? Hey, you know what and you could we'll do? There's it. a there's a show. Uh, the guys from Revzilla, I forget what they're called, Spurgeon Dunbar, and one other dude, and they have a little segment on there podcast where it's uh, name that engine mm -hmm. and they'll you know they'll have an i an engine will idle and rev it up and then they, guess it. they are remarkably good they are probably 75 percent on jay leno it. did impressive. that on his show he had a garage and somebody'd start a car honk the horn honk the horn then they'd start it up and they had a guy standing outside there's there's, there's no such he's thing going man that's a four-cylinder that's this and they narrow it down and no such thing as an original idea and i'm i'm, I'm happy yeah, we'll to take it. happy to steal anything but here here so back to me and my my zero percent or one percent vote like i just want to tell all those people that didn't vote for me i own more ktm 500s than anybody else in that list period okay i'm gonna drop the mic right now I don't know. Okay. I, I, I bet hey, I, Mike, I can't, Mike, but it's on a boon. <laughs> I'll bet you Mike owns more. No, you don't own more KTM 500s than I do, do you? Yeah. Not even I don't close. know. Um, hang I, on, hang on. Let's 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 count the numbers here. So one, two, three, four, five, five right now. I don't know. Let's what's your number? Eight. All right, you got. Me. Yeah, got eight. So are we taking five hundreds or the five ten? Like any bike with the five ten. Oh, oh! If you want to go into like five twenty-five, you know the the yeah, and the, it'd be a lot yeah. Higher. Oh, I I and then I got you cooked, and then and then if I count the ones that I house here, that the other people's bikes, there's a few more, you know. And then basically, you know, I'm I'm in charge of those bikes. Like I, you know, they ask me like what they should do to these bikes. By the way, don't house your bike here because it'll be rented to some student. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, questions are, are a lot of these aren't. Questions. The TTR 230 at Bald Knobby. Subscribe to you three years. Wow. Don't, you don't have to read the subscribe. Why the, not? The, how, how much does weeks? it weigh? 
He's t- he's talking TTR about TTR two thirty. Well, I'm going to go on you know, YamahaMotor.com right now and find that because I was too busy trying to get that video out that I actually didn't roll it up on my scales. But on a bike like that, you're going to be amazed at how much that thing weighs. You could have Googled that in the time it took him to address that and get on here, but he wanted to be on here, and you should answer him. Right. Um, Nine out of ten, Jimmy. How much does it weigh? It weighs 235 oh, oh, hey, pounds. Here, Mike, we're doing a guess. We're going to do a guess yeah, right now. guess. And you know, you notice if I if I had an idea, like if I if I know something, what do I do, George? I don't know. Um, I keep talking about it. No, I tell, <laughs> I, I, I tell you the answer. So, Mike, what do you think a TTR two thirty weighs? Uh, did I hear the answer? Did no, somebody say two thirty? No, I said two thirty five. Just guessing. We're, you're guessing. Oh, you're guessing two thirty five. Um, I think it weighs probably really close to like a CRF four fifty RL. So I'm gonna say two eighty six. Okay. So so I I actually Google it in the time you you um, guys uh, took to answer it, but I was gonna say two hundred and forty four pounds is what I was gonna say, and uh, the answer is. George, you saw it up there. I can't the read that far. 251 with a 2.1 gallons of fuel in it is what I'm told from uh, performancepowersports.com. So is this like price is right? You had to come in the closest, but without going over. So Mike's out. Yeah, Mike's out. I'm okay. the closest, and you yep. lose as usual. Okay. Kind of like that gold medal you hung Can up I on the wall. Can I door number three? <laughs> oh, oh man, <clears throat> man, Mike, we have some really good ideas for the uh, the 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 – the new and revived rooster endo segment. Yeah. yeah the reconstituted rooster endo. You know, I am sad that it's, it's not been happening because for me anyway, I mean, I'm biased obviously, but it really is the the best segment of the show. It's definitely the most entertaining hearing your experts come on and, you know, kind of uh, dog up on some of those bikes. Is I think it's super- better that you say hearing your guests come on. <laughs> okay. Experts. Come on, Mike. What are you trying to sell here? Hey, it's it's a uh, <laughs> present company included, right? So we 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 like I say it's just been it's been uh, technological difficulties. Like the information streams haven't been unifying where they need to go. But right, it, it right, is right. it is coming back. I did get some submissions today. If I can during the during the the break, if I can pull those things in, we'll we'll, we'll get it back in. But I am. Uh, you know, of course, you you know this because you financially support this. We are pooling up the ones that uh, haven't gone, and we're going to throw that into the pot for the the the, the rejuvenated roosterendo. In fact, I have this crazy idea, and this is what I'd, I'd I'd like to do. I'd like to come down to Takamoto and do a live show down there uh, some some Tuesday evening. Uh, if you're open on Tuesday evenings. Uh, we'll have all the beverages and pizza and tacos that we need to make this happen. Right. It, it just one, uh, Holmes, Holmes. I, I got to get the voice back. Homie, <laughs> I want one 40 ouncer of OE. And then you got to get on. Right. You got you, you know what you should do? <laughs> what? You should have a Tech Talk Taco Tuesday locals night, and we should go to Gene Woods, and we'll do a show, and people can oh, race. Afterwards, that's what we'll do. I'll... Afterwards, we'll go down to to the go kart experience, and because it's not that far away, and you can try to beat Jimmy Lewis, who had the fast George. Jimmy Lewis had the fastest lap time in the month of August. Well, I had paperwork to back mine up. <laughs> I do too. 
Let's Gene, get on with these Gene questions. Gene sent me a screenshot. Back to the rails. You're going to talk about your self more racing prowess. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Next question. Taylor C. Four four seven six. Unlike the clay pistons inside the Austrian bikes, I hear Yamaha makes <sighs> TTR piston pistons out of concrete. Makes one <laughs> makes one almost miss the XR four hundred. Almost. So, so this person, who was it? What was the name? <clears throat> Taylor C forty four seventy six. So Taylor C obviously has been a has been a fan for a long time. Is is a is a is a because somehow they tied together the joke about the clay pistons. Uh, did you ever, did you hear us joking about the clay pistons in the KTM's, Mike? I, I did. I came in about uh, 20, 25 minutes ago, thirty minutes ago. I, right. I didn't and, hear that. And, and you you took all those. That off. sounds about right. No, this you, is an you, old you, show. This is a, a long. Oh, it's been going on for a while. But you you took all the clay pistons off the shelf after we mentioned that they they had those, right? Did you say clay or clake? Clay, clay. Yeah, the ones the ones that are made in clay. They're made in probably in like where where would be worse than China? Well, they're fired like, in Chile. <laughs> <laughs> Adobe, you mean like Adobe? Hey, yeah, do you Adobe remember the, do you remember the Saturn LI skit years and years ago where they made cars out of Adobe? It was the uh, the Adobe car. You have to no. Google Chrysler that, made that, that, did they? The Adobe, <laughs> just, the Adobe. Adobe, yeah, yeah. Ricardo Montalban, uh, he was look that up on YouTube. Saturn Live, the Adobe car, hilarious skit. Yeah. Um, so no, we there was it was just at a time when like every KTM two stroke was just blowing up every single one, except it wasn't every single one. It was probably the two that happened and somebody put the pictures on the internet and everybody reshared it and everybody just went into a frenzy. Yes. And, and I'm like, happens. And, and, and I just go, I go, cause we were starting to get a lot of questions. I mean, it just, it bleeds, you know, something like that happens and it bleeds and it starts coming in. And we started getting questions about this. And I just said, Oh, well, you know, all the, the KTM pistons, they're making them out of clay now. Cause it's cheaper kind of in my sarcastic, joking way, and it, it got some legs. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys got to be kidding me. Come on. And so and so this person actually, he started, well, now we know, and this is a fact, that Yamaha pistons are made out of cement, right? Concrete. Concrete. That's cement, right? Well, actually, no, cement's cement, what you put in with the gravel to make concrete. To make concrete. So you got to have gravel and sand to make concrete. Cement th- in itself... Is not nearly strong enough to make a piston, Jimmy. Well, I, I would I would like to argue the cement piston versus the Adobe piston because I think the cement piston would actually be superior, but the concrete one might be because the rocks would stick out and it'd scratch the cylinder. We use small rocks. It'd be a little heavier. It'd be heavier too. It's self homes. The clay the clay is a racing piston. Yeah, it's self homes. Yeah. Hey. Hey, I got one. I the, got one for you. <laughs> the fact that he that, and the fact that he brought the XR four hundred in the conversation means this guy's been around for a while. Because I used to be, <clears throat> I used to say the XR four hundred was the best bike ever, even though it was the worst bike. But uh, okay, so Mike, explain the piston theory. Well, so I got one for you. There is a YouTube channel. This Russian guy, he's a mechanic. It's it's got the number fifty four in it. I can't remember exactly. Like maybe it's Garage fifty four. Okay. This Russian guy is a genius, and he has over the course of his channel made wooden pistons. Oh. He's done all kinds of ridiculous <laughs> and stupid things, blowing up these little Travants. 
uh, but fascinating. And I'm sure he's done a cement or a clay piston for I, sure. You know what? I've gone down a YouTube rabbit hole and seen, I, I, I don't remember what it was. It was something where it scrolled across and it said, will a glass piston work or whatever the heck he, he made a piston out of. And it was a, it, you know, he made a see-through cylinder so you could actually watch this thing work until it, you know, melted itself, but it worked for a little while. And I'm just fascinated by watching combustion, even in this low tech engine. But yeah, those, I mean, that's, here's the. Here's well, Victor, the good, Victor says uh, wooden pistons don't work well with a high shaft speed because you get splinters. <laughs> uh, somebody's laughing in my old English 800. Jeez, oh, Holmes. Hey, a serious Holy. question up there. Scroll back. Scroll back. Are rim locks okay. necessary if I'm only doing mild off-road riding, like on dirt roads? Thanks. Mike first. Uh, yeah, it's, absolutely. Because if you get a flat on a front and you need to do hard braking, you have a hard braking event, then you just lose all your your braking ability because your front tire is going to spin. So, yeah, you really – I, I 100% recommend rim locks on all tube-type uh, bike tires in all instances. It, and then lastly, balance those wheels. Right. Well, so – Jimmy. Uh, so are they necessary if you're doing mild off-road? No, they're. I'm going to say they're not necessary, but – uh, in the event you do get a flat, you're going to wish you had a rim lock, especially on the rear. But uh, like Mike said, if you, even if you're doing mild off-roading and you do decide to use your brakes aggressively, front or rear, it's going to start spinning the tire on the rim or, or tweak it a little bit, which will cause the valve stem to try to tear out of the tube, these different kinds of things. Uh, I, I don't see the the... The advantage of not having one, which would be a more balanced saving wheel. two ounces. Yeah, well, a more balanced wheel. Yeah, I don't, I don't. The weight savings, I don't even consider. But you know, the 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 out of balance wheel factor of the rim lock, and 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 like Mike said, Mike says balance your wheel. I'm like, don't bother. I, I'm completely the anti wheel balance guy because the minute you skid. <laughs> your wheel's out of balance anyway. Nah. So I see. I just I'm a wheel balance guy. Yeah. So, and I think that a balanced wheel helps with traction and everything. I, yeah, I for mean, sure. intuitively. Right. You know, um, at higher but, speeds, I will agree with you 100%. You know, when it's spinning, it's bouncing. Right. So I don't know. And I find, too, if I balance my wheel, essentially, I can just change the tires on and off, and it doesn't significantly change the balance. You know, yeah, you're balancing yeah. for you're, the rim you're, lock. You're, and you're, the rim you're literally balancing for the rim lock. So, so now, so are they necessary? No, they're not necessary. Are they recommended? I think highly by all of us. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, unless you you're gonna your mild off road means you're never gonna deflate under thirty two psi. Yeah, if you want to run a shit like ton that. of pressure inside of your tires, then you don't need them. But if you're gonna run uh, practical pressure, you know, down twelve, you know, thirteen psi. Uh, your tire has the potential to slip on the rim. So I think uh, Mike, uh, rim lock is a good you, idea. You mentioned balance first. Talk about you, you balance everything. You balance it every time you change a wheel. What do you do? Uh, hey, really quick, though, let me interject and say the difference for me is whether it's a t whether it's a tube-type tire versus a tubeless, and not tubeless, the tubeless system, but like a, like a spoke uh, magnesium-type wheel. Those are not necessary because those are – really securely beaded into the rim and then it's very difficult to get those to unbead themselves when flat but a tube type will come off the bead will come off the rim quite easily and that's where you run into problems and then as far as the 
balancing go, the reason that uh, we balance all our wheels is particularly because we run moose almost exclusively. And unless it's balanced, that rimlock will create a hot spot and will degrade that moose yep. on that, that spot where the rim weight is. So we always, every time, install a rim lock in the rear we balance it and we do not install one in the front, just the rear balanced every time. And I'm just such in the habit of feeling the smoothness of a balanced wheel that if I'm ever on a bike that has an imbalance, the hop, 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 uh, it's just so maddening. I can't take it. So I just, I balance every wheel every single time. Right. But I guess, hey, um, uh, George, to answer back to your question, do I rebalance a rim after I remount a tire? Out of laziness, I typically don't. And then if it does need rebalancing, you'll tell. You'll be able to tell right away. And if I don't, if I'm not annoyed, then I never go and I never recheck it, if that makes sense. Are you aware of marks on tires where there's a heavy spot or a light spot or? Yep. Yeah. And about 50% of the time I happen to pay attention to that and do that. And the other half out of laziness, I don't. I also sometimes am guilty of putting a tire on backwards, you know, directional Mm -hmm. tires. So like I do all the screw ups uh, and somehow I've lived to, you know, see another day. What's, what's that mark about? What's it mean? It's the, it's generally the, the it's generally the lightest. Well, it depends on the brand. It, it I've depends on the brand. The Could brand. be lighter, heavy. It's generally the lightest spot on most of them. And that's supposed to be mounted, uh, at the valve stem or stem the, or, rim or the rim lock, you know, where the weight is. But it, again, and, and when I say I don't balance any of my wheels, that's 100% A, out of laziness, and B, out of I'm changing tires a lot. Yeah. You, you, know, you balance your, like your Tenere is probably balanced, isn't it? No. 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 <laughs> no. <doesn't either>. no. <laughs> no it, well, it's it's balanced to start with. You know, it it, it has, and, but no. It has weights on it. It, but, ha- it has yeah. weights on it, so it, it kind of came balanced. So... It's not a, it's not it. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't have a rim lock, but. Online. Hey, and let me, let, let me qualify when I say balance, like I'm not pulling out any piece of equipment to do balancing. All I'm doing, and this is pretty lazy. All I do is I know, I happen to know what a stock rear, you know, 215 rim lock weighs or a motion pro or a warp nine. And I happen to know what those weigh. And then I just counter counter balance the 180 other side with that same amount of brass and it is Ooh. it is super unscientific, but again, as long as it doesn't annoy close. me, it's it's good enough. Hmm. Okay. Um. And so, what are you using to balance? Are you sliding um, lead weights on the spokes? Are I'm you sure taping? you can go to tacomoto.co and find yeah. out exactly what he's using? I'll bet you. Yeah. So we brass, exactly we use threaded little trick things you put on there, huh? Yeah, we use Nomar. Nomar is an American company that makes these brass. Uh, they slip over the spoke nipple, and then they have a little locking uh, bolt, a little uh, grub screw, and we we sell them in a little package that's based on whatever rim lock you have, whether it's stock or aftermarket, and so on. And then we've already we've already weighed all that out, and so you can just simply do what I do. I just open our bag uh, when I'm doing a wheel. I just op- I just I just observe what what rim lock I have, and then I grab that bag of that particular one. I throw it 180 degrees on the other side. 
and call it good. It's it's that's, completely <laughs> it's as lazy as that. Hey, that's so brainless and lazy. I might be getting some of those to to just offset a few of my wheels that I care about, the ones I want to be things. So hey, hold on, hold on a second. Hey, we gotta we gotta do a little ad break here to make sure we're paying the bills. And uh, Mike, can you stick around for after the ad break? Yeah, sure, of course. Okay, we will uh, be back in a few minutes here. The defending oh, champion, that, the all-new Yamaha YZ450F. Three or four minutes or something. Okay. So we'll, What's uh, that we'll... link up there, I wonder? Is that John Amos? <laughs> uh, <laughs> doing the hand jive? <laughs> Wooden pistons, will it work or not? That's what it is. He actually in the in the chat. What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or <laughs> text. And it's so like having a dirt bike out. doctor oh, well. <laughs> on call every day of the year, helping you <laughs> fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received yep. <laughs> an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come Good. with the coolest stickers that you've ever no had uh, buying parts from anybody before and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Be, care- be quiet. Um, taco all of our Mike. Taco Moto Co. branded components come with a no questions asked yeah, I don't lifetime get warranty. Embarrassed by a hot and we'll mic, even right? extend out the warranty of other yeah, manufacturers, OEM and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations yeah. to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we yeah, carry is something that we have personally used, tested, ridden, and raced, version. and nose meets the, the high taco touch demanding yeah, standard. Ghost, go out off, and get some adventure. That might go live. <laughs> It's Garage 54. I just looked it up on the YouTube. It's the Russian dream. It's the ridiculous automotive experiments. They're fascinating. Damn show here in a second. There we go. Look at that. Why bother? Like a pro. Welcome back to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, Holmes. Uh, what's up? <laughs> we do the we do the cello whistle, but we only had like a, a day to practice today. So uh, thanks a lot. Um, sorry we messed up on our sound, and you can listen to us Wait, the entire he includes time. Includes me in that. I'm just sitting here the entire time during the commercial <laughs> break. You could hear us. Uh, we're we got Taco Mike from Taco Moto. That's tacomoto.co on the phone. If you need 
anything for almost any bike, especially KTM 500s. And if you want a KTM 5er, don't listen to anything I say because I'm 0% influential about that bike. But 1%. 1%. Okay. Take my name off that list. Uh, <laughs> KTM EXCs, uh, Husky uh, FEs, actually any of the European, the Gas Gas, the Austrian bikes, uh, they have all the different little trinkets and things. And we are just talking about wheel balancing. We went down a rabbit hole on that. And they even have a thing a bag of wheel weights that'll offset whatever rim lock you have to make your wheel perfect. Right, Mike? Uh, uh, per- perfect enough. Perfect enough. There you go. Right. And we determined that since we're all lazy, it's just easy to do it like that. And Ashley says no Bible study on Halloween so he can make it live. Nice. That's good. This is probably not a good counter to Bible. I got to tell you, and Victor's going to say some real funny shit later in the show too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's read another okay, one. How questions. about uh, at lean it 5756. I traded off my 890 adventure R for a 24 Tenere. No regrets. Tenere is a fat, fantastic bike. My only complaint is the foot pegs being way too short for stand up riding. Wonder if he means short forward back or he means side out wide. He means width. That's pretty easy to fix. Well, either I, way, I, and I and I replied back to hit to him because he watched our first ten array <clears> test. <throat> we did complain about the the foot peg width, and I said, "Hey, check out our um, check out the vlog I got going." Like the first thing I did was put Fast Company um, foot pegs on there, and those are the impact pegs, and they're 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 Actually, they didn't even make them when I when I did this. Um, Cole, I called Cole and said, "Hey, dude, you, you, there's a market for this thing. You need to make an adventure foot peg for the Tenere." And he's like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, the because the foot pegs are kind of small, and you know, in 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 all ways, and they they they're like the stock ones. They come with the rubber pieces you can pull out, but they need to be wider, especially on the clutch side because the clutch actually sticks out a little bit, and when you stand up and lean forward." your leg will touch the clutch and kind of pushes it out. And I want to step out and on the stock bike, I step out and I miss the foot peg. So yeah, miss that's the, the st- miss, miss the shifter and break. You mean, no, miss the foot peg. Oh, when, when you I, step when, when out. I, okay. But you step I, out to miss the foot. Cause when I'm riding an adventure bike, I'm actually riding pretty feet out, you know, because that's where I can get my leverage on the pegs and stock pegs are usually narrow. So I got to sneeze. Okay, WR450. Can you get the FMF slip on without the without a tune, or do you need to tune it for the FMF? First taco mic. Well, I'm 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 decidedly not a uh, authoritative voice on the Yamaha's, but hey, any Mike, bike. Do you know that Yamaha is a major sponsor of this show? Tech Talk yeah, Talk Tuesday brought to you by Yamaha. Blue crew all the way. Okay, Go keep, Blue keep, Crew, baby. Keep, keep going. I've got a Yamaha in my garage. I got a T7 out there, which I have yet to really do, you know, uh, do a lot with and ride much. But I'm excited to uh, put some time on it. So we're, we're we got a Yamaha too. Yeah, best back best, to the, best, back to the question. Best, best adventure bike ever. Just be really careful, gently, because you you might not get inva- invited back to the it, uh, the KTM Adventure Rider Rally if you start talking about how much you're going to like that Tenere. So uh, they'll be fine with that. In fact, there was a, uh, so Bo from Ready to Ride, he's a guy down in Arizona who does bike tours and rentals. He brought a T7 with orange graphics and wore orange climb gear <laughs> to try to blend in. It was, it was absolutely classic. 
Hmm. But uh, in the, in the early days of the KTM Adventure Rider Rally, they actually were not that bummed out when you showed up on a BMW, which of course was the most people showed up on, or you know a Triumph or a Ducati or or whatever or any a KLR six fifty, because they understood at that time it was different. They understood that those people were coming into that rally because they had the demo truck there and they could ride. A KTM and they could kind of see it, but now it's almost like it's almost like toxic because I I went there last year and people were like I heard you're riding a Tenere, and I'm like uh, yeah I have I have one you know I was still there I was there on my 1090 but people were like well well um uh, why why don't you have a 790 or an 890 and I'm like because I like the Tenere better <laughs> I mean hey. It's choices, personal choices, man. That's Those why are make- opportunities. There's no new opportunities with the people that are already owning them in there. Yeah, I you I, know. I mean, I mean, they're going to get the, new, they, the they, new stuff or they, whatever. But. They they might get a new one. But anyways, that's so. Back to the question. Um, Generally, then speak on this this slip on tuning. For, oh, for the W Mike. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, look, you, you know, back in the day, in the carbureted days, when you would buy a bike, that muffler, the airflow out of the end, that engine, the engine's an air pump, right? And so it's a calibrated amount of air in, through, and out. And all of that is calibrated to a certain amount of fuel density. And it was jetted accordingly. And so if you make any changes to your intake or exhaust, then you you upset that pre-calibrated balance and your your air fuel ratio is now off. So on all of these single cylinder bikes, that's the case to what extent that looks like on the Yamaha. I don't know. I'd probably defer over to Jimmy with uh, your knowledge of the blue yeah. bikes. So so you you can just, with the stock WR, you can slip a an FMFQ on it and it's going to be fine. Is it optimum? Absolutely not. It's just like, it's just like even, this is probably one area where, where Mike and I talk a little bit about all the time of just about like, you know, tuning the ECUs and do you need an ECU and what about the ECU? And I'm like, can you make a tune for this ECU? And I'm like, exactly what is going to be on that bike? I mean, almost down to what tires are you going to run? Because, you know, if you have a, you know, everything affects, it's all, they all affect one thing or another. And like I said, it's, it's kind of, for me, it's, it's definitely from the, the, the air filter to the tip of the exhaust and everything has to be in unison, and the ECU is what controls essentially all of that. So don't those bikes have the app where you can tweak it a little? So that's the cool thing about the Yamaha, but not on the WR. No. The WR comes with a locked ECU, so you need to buy... Is it a plated bike then? Nope, nope. It's huh. not plated, and you can't even buy it in California. It's just a <laughs> loophole that Yamaha has fallen out of, unfortunately. They can't get... They, they want to they want to bring it in the way they want to bring it in and California says no because California wants evaporative emissions on a dirt bike and that would cost a lot of money and be it, it's it's complicated but anyways so so if you have a WR you can buy the competition ECU which turns it into essentially an FX it it basically the minute you put that ECU on there it has the same tune as an FX. So it doesn't really work that well with the stock muffler. It really wants a more open muffler like the FMFQ. And it, you can go to, I've put the FX muffler straight on it and it runs just like an FX. But I actually, WR, I want more tractability, more drivability, um, less sound. So I put the Q on it 
And then I kind of play around with the map a little bit. You don't have to do much, but it definitely does. You can put it on and you're going to get, let's say if there's, if you're going to get 50% of the performance increase, just putting the muffler on will do it. If you want the other 50%, you need the ECU to go along with it. And then you can, you know, you can get that extra 10% by starting to tune at that point to get the full hundred. Hey, here's a quick, uh, here's a quick little aside. You were talking about the Q muffler. So specifically to the FMF, the 4.1 is basically their open, unrestricted, no resonator, straight through glass pack, cherry bomb muffler. And you can get from FMF the Q insert. So you can effectively create with a 4.1. So a guy can get that really trick looking blue uh, anodized look with the carbon fiber tip. You can, you can, as a, as a separate part number, you can order the, the Q4 insert, throw it in there. And now you've got the sound output of a Q4 on that trick looking 4.1 rep factory rep, replica muffler. There's right. a little ins, inside. So get all that through you. So, uh, I don't know that we stock those inserts. You can get them from FMF. You email, if you email us, um, we should have some. And we probably having this conversation makes me think we should probably stock them. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and I'm a I'm a big fan of the the Q. Just the the way that the Q adjusts the power band. Let's put it that way. And, and if we're just sliding on a, a Q muffler versus a four point one. It it does so much for tractability and drivability. It's it's almost Mike. I, you're you're gonna well no half the people hate me. Have it's the same as leaving your reads in versus re, taking your reads out on a on a very restricted KTM. Um, it it has, and I like the reads in. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, just for drivability, it has that same. It the the Q has that same kind of character. And the funny thing is, if you if you take your reads out and put a Q on. It's almost like a net net sort of <laughs> um, uh, it. They they sort of do the same sort of thing because I think you're just sort of restricting the 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 suddenness of the flow. Like when you start turning the throttle, if that makes sense. There's a yeah. It it just it just kind of tames maybe what you're you 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 turned your wrist a certain way and maybe you didn't want to get as much as you got and the the cue or the reeds can. Uh, smooth that out for you. Hey, uh, yeah. on the uh, chats, it rolled by already, but somebody was asking Mike to uh, start to look into tunes for the Cove people and an exhaust option. I don't know how many of those bikes are out there, but anyway, that was a suggestion. And then somebody else is asking thoughts right. on Ducati jumping into the dirt bike world. Jimmy? Let's let's hit the Cove, the Cove thing first. Um, so the the... I, I have no idea what <laughs> what ECU is on the cove and how it works, but I I promise you that if somebody decides to go down that avenue uh, and learn learn that learn how you know what it plugs into, you could do a lot with that bike, especially the 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 um, compliant one, the one that's, that's a pretty big investment to get into that deep, isn't it, for a specific bike like that for the. Yeah, Mike will tell you this. For the person that makes the actual the, the 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 hard part of the ECU, you know the 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 plug to get the wiring right and all of the the baseline maps and data, that's not easy. 
and then to and then start tuning it, then again, now we're just investing a lot of time to make it right. Yeah. Yeah. So the first first to market will be piggyback tuners because um, you know, like with the Dobek DJK, essentially all it's looking at is the pulse width of the injector. And that's just a two-wire connection. And the the the, the device itself has a preset algorithm in there and it's just looking at it's looking at duty cycle and then it's it's extrapolating rpm and then the fuel demand and so that will be the first product to market and, I, and there's and no those, doubt that and those work really good as long as it's not a closed loop system correct yeah because because that's where that's where we ran into the problem with the ktms because I was yeah, really just, happy with the whether it was a a, a a Dobek, which is all of them, or you know a JD Jetting, or all the different people that were branding their you know their tuner, their that, piggyback that piece tuner. of hardware. Yeah, right, Dobek UJK is rebranded by a lot of guys. Right, and and but and once we went to closed loop, all of a sudden the bike starts fighting with it, for lack of a better term. It's like it makes the adjustment, and then the bike makes adjustment on top of it, and now we're not in a good place. Right. So the Dobek UJK, no doubt, up there in Bozeman, Montana, those guys probably have a cove and in their in their skunk works lab, they're they're working through that. And there's no doubt that uh, down here in Las Vegas, Dynajet, uh, my buddy Dusty probably is working on getting a cove, and then they're gonna you know do a Power Commander six for that. So it's easiest to do a piggyback. It is hardest to do a full replacement ECU, and that is probably not on the radar of Vortex or AIM or um, uh, Athena get because when you get to the, the the reality of making a full replacement ECU, that is a engineering uh, project that you, you have, the sales numbers need to be there. It is very different with the Kahin ECU that is the exact same ECU that's in modern single cylinder Yamaha's KTM Suzuki's Cowie's uh, Honda's all of those bikes use that same Kahini CU so that's why you have three competing replacement ECU manufacturers going for that market the Cove it could be a single source ECU and it could be the same ECU out of like a cherry automobile the cherry brand or a scooter or who knows what right and if the if the sales if the potential sales throughput volume of that ECU is not it's not attractive nobody's going to do it so right. the reality it's, it's is just, yeah it's just a it's just a you know will, will we you know it's, are we going to invest this much money in it are we going to make more money back in figuring this out. And that, that was one of the problems like with the Christini is it was a, I'm trying to think of the, the damn ECU that it was, in, that was in it, that we were dealing with, you know, trying to get the, you know, they ended up, the company ended up giving us their, their coding software. So we could go in and, and start, you know, doing modifications and stuff to it because they were just, they just had this sort of baseline that it was, it was so basic. It was like, this will make any motor run. <laughs> you know how well who knows so yeah I, th I think i and i think a cove could really uh respond to a to a uh a piggyback tuner so, and and are we sure that they didn't just use one of these other existing ones that are out there and it's not what you've already 
it didn't, I didn't dive that deep into the bike. About as far as I got as I yeah. cleaned the air filter and changed the oil. But the bikes aren't really out in any kind of mass production. People already want to make it go faster. <laughs> well, isn't that testosterone for you? Yeah, it's all. It's all That's good. I thing. understand. Hey, um, so Mike, any more underwater moto kits? Because uh, Victor needs to bring his primo back from Tijuana. The Haverford uh, 2000. Have you saw that on our site? You like <laughs> lucky enough to to surf into that? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. A lot of people. We've mentioned it a few times on the show. <laughs> so I I wrote that as a um, obviously it's a joke, yes. and I I did that. There's two there's two motivations behind that. One is I've drowned so many bikes in the ocean in Baja. Uh, that I I feel like I should have an underwater kit to prevent, you know, all of these top ends that I ruined by drowning bikes in Mexico. And then the second kind of thing behind that is there's a restaurant in Vegas called the Omelet House. And if if you've been there, they have a menu item. It's an omelet number 69. And it's this ridiculously described uh, omelet with like, you know, hundreds of ingredients. It's It's an absolute farce of a description and so i just kind of combined those two things together and wrote that wrote that uh description for that underwater it's, snorkel it's kit. pretty pricey right uh yeah i think we're asking 2500 bucks for it so okay. it's exclusive it's right. exclusive yeah because i mean i'm i'm looking at how many of the uh, overland vehicles now come with the snorkels so they can drive them up to windshield height water levels and stuff sure and, status of and, that right and, and i'm pretty sure if you want to get deeper into the uh, adventure slash dual sport market if you want to be cool pretty <laughs> i i i can help you market this thing a little bit because i'll run it i i just see like you know the vacuum you know the you know the hose that goes from your um I'm really familiar with this. I had to crawl over it underneath my house. The 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 tubing that goes from your dryer out to the vent, dryer vent, hose. dryer vent hose. Yeah, you just have that, and it goes it it, it attaches to your back via Velcro, and then you have a thing that mounts on your helmet. So it's kind of like a it's kind of a riding gear slash motorcycle kit, and then you could go aqueous. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm gonna go ahead and email my patent attorney in the morning. Okay, sounds good. I'll take ten percent and be happy with that. Uh, about to the Ducati. People are asking about what does Jimmy think about the Ducati? Is that the question, George? I, you, I you were, scroll you were past. Reading I'm reading the next one. Well, it says, Ari, the Ducati, past local dealer made a 250-pound 450MX in 1970. This is true. So Ducati, this Ducati entering into dirt bikes is nothing new. They made dirt bikes a long time ago. I have actually ridden one because when I was at Cycle World Magazine, we did some sort of a story on the Ducati off-road bike. It was a scrambler, essentially. Um, I think they were one of the early scramblers competing with you know the likes of Triumph and and uh, BSA and whatnot. They made a lightweight one. So uh, let's see, Google Ducati 450MX boost shot, old school shop CZ Mako. I would go drool there with no dollars and let me dream. Oh, okay. So something, uh, what do I think about it? I, I, I'm amazed that both Triumph and Ducati have decided to get into motocross. And it's, it's kind of, I think just like any business, they have reached a certain place where you ask yourself, how can we expand? We need to make more money. Where's, where's our growth? 
and then they look at different things. And if you want to talk about, you know, eyeballs, it's supercross. It's supercross and to a lesser extent motocross, and especially in the United States. Uh, when you start looking at, you know, the only, the only other thing that even gets close to that would be Dakar. I mean, that's a one, that's a once, once a year, you know, all in sort of a thing. And you're a motorcycle brand. You want to go put your brand someplace. Um, you know, whether you're, you know, you're going to do MotoGP would be number one. And then it's like, well, that's ridiculously expensive and out of touch, but where else could we go? And like Supercross, I think becomes kind of appealing in a, a dollar, you know, cost, cost value. And then it's like, well, then we can sell dirt bikes as well. It's a slippery slope because we've seen BMW try to go down this avenue uh, before. Um, we've seen a lot of brands that have tried uh, Gas Gas, Husaberg, um, other companies like, uh, you know, CCM, Vore, Vertimani, uh, TM. And, and some of these companies are still around, but they've they've had tumultuous times trying to, to do this. And so... I'm interested by these companies trying to get in. I think it's, in my guess, it's easier now than ever because we have so much. You you can go get all of these other machines to to compare yourself to or to say, hey, we have this technology that we think might make something better. And the Ducati is the one that's really interesting. I'll get to that in a minute. But we have all this technology, and we think we can make a 250cc four-stroke engine that's better than what we're seeing out there or we feel like we have some nose about how chassis handle or whatever that maybe if we brought our knowledge from street or wherever it is into this arena um we could make stuff work and you're seeing this also with electric bikes you know, like the Stark Varg, for instance, it's 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 kind of the first one there where they said, hey, we're going full in on, you know, having the best componentry. It's not sort of it's this electric thing, so it's kind of weird or unique. They they went in and they have real motocross guys riding their bike and and real suspension components and all this stuff. So I think on the Ducati specifically, the their their valve control system, the Desmodronic valve control system may allow them to do something that could be maybe as uh, game changing as when Yamaha spun the motor around backwards right after Husaberg did it. And some other people did it a long, long time ago, but you know, there's, there's things that are, that it takes a new idea to bring it in. I think the triumph is, you know, we've seen the bike. I think it's going to be very standard, and I think they're just they're just looking to put their name out into a different market and uh, and do some stuff. I don't know what they could do that would be significantly game changing in building motocross bikes. I think the economy is going to play a big part on that. I, I think if they were tooled up and ready to go three years ago, they might make it. But it's going to be interesting and, for me to see what happens in this whole industry. As we go into a deeper recession, as people have to go back to work and, you know, because we really had an explosion of this whole adventure overlanding motorcycle, let's get outside when we didn't have to go to work. Yeah, but that, you know, I don't think show that. Show up at work, I think. I don't think that affected at the highest level, like the racing level where they're starting at. And they're, 
They're hoping that kind of bleeds down. But here's the interesting thing. Why are they getting into gas propulsion when electric is the new thing? And so something tells me that these companies have ambitions that are 10 years out. They're not they're not You making, don't want to get me fired on the oh, electric I, stuff no, right no. now, Jimmy, cuz I'll go off on it. I'll shock you with this. This is a spooky. It's Halloween. Um so maybe these companies are actually, you know, a couple of these companies, well, they've been around for a long time. They're not just startups. They're not new. Maybe they're thinking into the future. It's like, "Hey, the future is electric. We are going to go electric. Somehow we're going to have battery powered you know, rechargeable bikes of all different kinds. And we need our brand to be established in a lot of different ways. So we're going to go show it at Supercross. We're going to show it at MotoGP or wh wherever we're going to do. And then when they, they come up with a kid's 50cc sized electric play bike that, you know, that comes along so they can get people onto two wheels because ultimately they want to sell 100,000 urban mobility vehicles with the triumph brand or the ducati brand you know worldwide i think it's part of a marketing plan and instead of looking at it like five years that's why it surprises me they're going to gas but right now if you want to be at the you want to be in front of the eyes you've got to make a gas motor you've got to compete there's there's you can't just jump into electric but maybe in the future it's like hey let's do this for a little while so yeah in that's, five years electric will fall flat on its face and they'll They'll be right there with some trick gas deal. I we haven't we we're not really sure where that's going. I'm not I'm not poo pooing or say. I mean I think there's there's a there's definitely a market for electric. There's there's a there's places where that stuff is way better than having gas. It, you know especially when we talk about just mobility and things like that. And I think if it, when it comes down to it, you know maybe you know and Stark was really big at promoting like if we have this quiet vehicle that can do motocross without making a lot of noise, we're going to be able to access tracks that are getting closed down and do things. And maybe they're at the track, there would be a charging station so you could bring your bike there. You don't have to drag a generator along. There's, there's so much more to it than I think that we're just looking at in the, on the day to day average consumer side of side of things. Okay. The studio audience is falling asleep as I am, but I have glasses on, so you can't see it. Let's, Oh, you fell asleep? Let's, yeah, let's bring it back in. And Ducati. And, okay, you well, answered that. Yeah, that, I think that's why. Go on to another question. Wow, I went down the rabbit hole in that, didn't you I? went down the, no, the toilet bowl. Toilet? <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> What's George? motocross without the smell of burnt gas and noise, Victor says. And he also says electric's doomed. But those are Victor Andrade predictions. And George's as well. Real ones. I don't, I don't, um, I don't think it's doomed. I think it's just going to be another option. Yeah, Mike, what do you think? I think that the dual sport market is the growth area in all of motorcycling. And so to have a viable brand, you need to have a product that uh, that crosses over into the light adventure dual sport market. The way you do that is you develop, you spend all your money developing a motocross product, which gets you all those eyeballs. And then you, so it's like, it's um, that. So the first year Triumph's going to offer their, motocross bike and then the second or third year then it'll be the dual sport bike plated bikes green sticker bikes those are going to come next so motocross is essentially have, have you specifically you, heard um plated and green sticker they, they they would be of course they're doing that no i have not heard it from anybody right. i haven't any, heard it, i haven't heard it, heard it officially i haven't heard from any reliable sources but you just have to know 
that those guys would not invest the millions of dollars that they're going to do in a just pure to race, race bike. just to make a race bike. There's no money in That's race bikes. That's not the end. That's not the end. Right. Their 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 next big launch is their plated, yeah, you know, they're, fifty they're, state, yeah, they're green making, sticker bikes. They're making enduro bikes, and and <laughs> and like KTM has shown, you know, it's not that hard to convert it into a, you know, dual sport bike, and then you know who goes from there. So okay, that's the long game. That's long the game. long yeah, game. I agree. Jen Inc. says, hard to tell if it's a review or an ad without any critical thought. No perfect bike or product exists. This is on the T7. No, no, you're talking no, talking about the WR450. Oh yeah, review. okay, sorry. We're on. Yeah, so so uh I it, it's funny cuz I I I saw that and I'm like did did we say I I don't think it was the perfect bike. I never I've never said that. In fact, I have if it was the perfect bike, you would not see a how to modify this bike video where I increased the fuel tank capacity um which required a different seat. And I added it, you know, and before, like I would call it stage one, we did the competition ECU and the FMF muffler. Is that the bike I was riding this weekend? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good bike. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ashley. (laughs) It's not perfect. Ashley Pierce, 3507 in New Zealand. The WR is street legal. I have a 23 WR250F street legal. Great bike to learn. The road on. I've had 16 dirt bikes. I'm into adventure touring now from Ashley. So it's a statement, I guess. Yeah. And then at J Dirt 1982, he is making me feel very uncomfortable wearing a skirt. Shirt. Skirt? skirt. It says skirt. I thought it said shirt. Skirt. Skirt. So that's on the. WRs or something on that I, I, Hey, Trevor hires his own test riders, man. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what Trevor. Maybe it's his buddy, and they wear skirts these days. I don't know what the kids are doing. I try to stay out of it. Caleb or Caleb Ledford, forty-one forty-six. Who got absolutely ejected at five oh nine? Everyone loves that green bike. I haven't ridden the new platform, but I'm in love with the Yamaha. What was that reference? Uh, so Trevor cleaned out the entire. <clears throat> first turn when we were uh, doing some of the testing on the 450s and that's uh, it's in the video so at 509 in the video of the the stock 450s um yeah trevor you know gets a whole shot slows down a little too much comes across everybody and cleans everybody out it's good oh, wow. good times okay i shot the foot- footage you know how when you shoot a really good video and you don't get credit for it george yeah three million and how many views on the two-wheel drive adventure bike that yeah, I, I think shot. Jim, i think jim shot that actually come comment account 49 the one advantage in eastern rocky rudy trails with the heavy weight you can run stiffer suspension because there's less deflection when you hit an unexpected obs- obstacle or protrusion in the trail you can really hammer through whoops that might upset a lighter bike with compromised suspension setup for rough terrain when i got back into riding a few years back i remember looking at this bike and thinking who would buy this and he's now talking that, about a sierra a honda sierra 450x now that i'm older and more experienced it's me i'm the person this bike makes sense for Honda CRF 450X. Okay, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I think his his thinking is a little skewed. You know, he says that because the bike's heavier, he can 
you can plow through things or it's stiffer because it's heavier. So since it's heavier, they've made it stiffer. No, they they made it the stiffness it needs to be to handle properly. I don't think it's necessarily stiffer because it's heavier. Uh, in fact, it feels the 450X feels softer than the RX and the R. You know, just in in general because it is heavier. It it actually makes the suspension move a little bit more. Plus, the suspension settings are set up lighter, more you know, more active. Uh, but I think he would be impressed with, like I said, he got back into riding. He'd be impressed with almost anything he got on at that point. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, just experience. Okay. Um, Robin Henley, 7834. What did you change the swing arm pivot torque to? Um, on the CR450X, I don't know the specific numbers off the top of my head, but I think I want to say it's like four to five pounds less on the swing arm pivot than what is recommended. But, um, yeah, that's, that's how we, so you loosen up the swing arm to, to, to allow the chassis to flex a little bit more. Oh, okay. So it wasn't just about, so, the, so the first guy the said swing arm pivot it, resistance, it was about the whole chassis flexing. It's a, it, yeah, the swing arm pivot, you know, the tighter you tighten the swing arm pivot, it binds the chassis together. You know, it doesn't allow it to, it doesn't allow it to flex. So it's, you know, you think about how it's, how it's an anchor point and bolting that the swing arm in there and how much, you know, tighter it is. It actually would twist the frame as opposed to twist the bolt as opposed to allow the swing arm to move just ever so slightly. There's a lot of stuff going on in there. Did we and, lose Mike or did he just stop moving stuff in his closet? Nope. I hear it again. Yeah. yeah. He's still no, moving I'm here. Stuff. Okay. Uh, I'm here. He's still, and, and he's still, just he's still thinking about electric bikes. He's on it. He's, He's ready to start up a yeah, Mike's electric gonna, taco motor. He's going to go out and uh, invest heavily in electric bikes. I'm sure. How for many? His kids how many? Future. Okay, so how many Suron like bikes do you see ripping around? Hey, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about your. <laughs> I want to talk no, about. No, answer my question first. Uh, I've seen them in my neighborhoods out they're, here. They're, there are they're, they're everywhere. Once a week, once a week, I see one easily. Okay. Maybe maybe twice a week. Okay, I just want to tell you that they're everywhere, and <laughs> and in in five years, when all these kids that are totally used to riding those things, no, in not five years, in twenty years after they, you know, have had a couple kids and they then the kids go off to college or whatever, and then they want to get back into it, then they go, well, I had an electric bike, I'm going to get another one. Yeah, you know what those things are going to end up like? All those little red bikes you see in the big cities or those scooters, they're just going to litter your neighborhoods, litter yeah, yeah. your cities, and they're just going to become trash on oh, the side of the road. I, what yeah. do you think about that one, Victor? Chris <laughs> Real's popping up on the chats, too. Right, well, he he, he, he comes from he comes from a very strange... Okay, Mike, I'm, I'm on to your question now. What do we need to do? Oh, well, I was just going to add that I've done that chassis, uh, changing the, the engine hanger and the torques. Right on the new generation KTM enduro bikes because the the swing arm is is uh, per their literature 30% stiffer mm. they have uh, a stiffer chassis and when you ride the new 500 platform it is a a more accurate feeling bike it turns quicker sharper more responsive and so the attributes of a stiffer chassis are all there and they're all easily detectable. And I like my enduro bikes to be 
noticeably more plush and softer than like a uh, motocross bike. And so the Husky and KTM enduro bikes respond very well to D. So, so far in my tuning and experience, 10%. So I D rated the swing arm bolt, the rear, uh, the rear axle bolt, and then the engine, the four uh, bolts that hold the engine two are through bolts. And then the two engine hangers, all of those D rated 10% under book spec. And that's the sweet spot that really, really, made that chassis feel a lot like the older chassis, but just, just more comfortable, a little more plush, especially when you're sitting. And then I'm going to experiment when I turn that bike into more of a light adventure bike by loading it up with a big tank and Moscow bags and weight Mm. and camping and all of that. I'm going to set those, I'm going to experiment with them still derated at 10%. And I think that my theory is that bike's going to feel really soft and Wallowy and Cadillac-y. And I think I'm going to then at that point put them back to factory spec. And I bet you it'll take all that away. So mm. yet to be determined. There we go. Solid advice. Hey, you know, in, and I totally agree with you there. It's funny because something as simple as, is like putting a big tank and a one bigger counter shaft sprocket can completely change like the way that a, that a bike feels like you can take a KTM 500 and do what I just said, <laughs> big tank, five gallon tank, big counter shaft sprocket. And it all of a sudden turns into like an XR 650. It just lazies the bike out to a certain extent. And uh, yeah, it's I, I, and the other thing to play with is play with make leaving the torque high on the lower front engine mount. Just that one specific one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like if you loosen them all, uh but if you Is that a little too much, you think? Uh just I've done some stuff where that one, if you keep that one in the front, the front lower one tight, it it allows the it 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 seems like that one, if you loosen everything, the bike can actually go from uh you can lose, you know, like you said, precision. It you can lose some of that uh, that chassis rigidity, but you also lose a lot of precision. But if you keep that lower one tight, sometimes that helps. But it it really depends on the bike. Um, okay, I know. that's a that's a good tip. I'll go back and do experiment. And I'll retighten that one to factory spec and see what that does. Yep. Hmm. So uh, Victor says you can use the Suron motors to make wind generators. Then the grind fails from. The grid the fails. The grid fails from uh, charging so many uh, Teslas. So when the grid Prius. fails, we'll use all the the uh, the Surons, the Suron motors to make. I was just, electricity. I was just gonna I was gonna actually tie children to ropes and have them run in like a like a spring cord. When they get scared of me, they run away and they generate power. But in order to tie children up, you have to touch them. And what does that lead to? We're not gonna make that joke in the show. Okay. <laughs> Asher Lito, thirty eight oh one. I try your WD forty tip. I don't know what I try your WD forty tip. The only thing I can, the only thing is I can count the amount of times I wash my bike on one hand, and I have had it for almost four years. I think you might have um, might have been talking about cleaning bikes and some kind of mud caking on the bikes, and you said mentioned WD forty. So Jim said I could start my truck with WD forty today. Did he? (laughs) Did you really say that? Yep. 
He, he, he's, a, okay. he's a wealth of knowledge. You, you went to the, you went to the, what was the show? Connick. Because he show didn't have any starting fluid, did he? No, I had starting fluid. I had ether. Okay, and we're talking about a gasoline Dodge Hemi truck, right? So okay. it would, it would, it would help out. And did it? We didn't use it. We had either. Oh, I have, okay. I have the sneezes again. I'm allergic to old English. Me, old English 800. You could be my gold medals. All my <laughs> gold. Yeah, my <laughs> plethora of medals and achievements in the room. <laughs> Sitting next to me, you're just starstruck. Yeah, my documents. I should support. definitely be more starstruck by your presence here on this show. I really should like tell everybody how nervous I am that I actually get to invite you in. You don't the know show. half of what I've done because when we're together, I don't talk about myself like you do. <laughs> well, you never give me a chance. You want me to tell you a story, George? No. Dave Donnelly. <laughs> oh, this back to the suspension high and speed. We're not going to read that. Mm-hmm. Barney Racing. Hello, Jimmy. I'm a listener of your Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, and here your sponsored plug for Taco Moto. Do you have a discount for them? Thank you in advance, and for the good podcast. So, um, Mike, do you, do you do you want to take that question? Because that was the first question we took on the show tonight, and George failed to pay attention, like as a, like a good co-host would. But I don't really like to pick on my co-hosts because like. I'm, they're so they're such awesome people that I, I they they uh, intimidate me. Well, it's so been to, like two and a I, half hours since I read it the last time. I have to be tip on tiptoes okay. around here. <laughs> so anyway. yeah, I I, well, ex- I I explained that for you sponsoring this show, that's like a discount, and they should shop with companies like Takamoto that help promote a show like this, and companies <clears throat> like Yamaha, also Scott Sports. By the way, uh, Scott Sports, this is the six day goggles. The ISD is going to start, I think, tomorrow, the next day, pretty soon. Uh, the Americans are down in Argentina, and uh, you can get a Scott Limited Edition six-day goggle with the uh, amplified lens. Uh, other sponsors, Climb. We talked about the F3 helmet, DDC, mm-hmm. great chain wheels. Uh, Trail Tech, uh, the Voyager Pro. We answered a lot of Voyager Pro questions for Jim this week. Hey, we should talk a little bit about what's what's the future of Rooster Endo. What are some of the well, ideas? We're Let's get talk to that with in the a audience. Second. Yeah. Uh, oh, fast, you want to read company. all your sponsors yeah. again? All the sponsors. Fast Company Flex Handlebars. I have to. It's contractually obligated. Yeah. No, I understand. Um, Bulletproof Designs. I need to talk to those guys because I need some. I need to do stage three on my uh, WR450 because the bike's not perfect, but I'm going to make it that way. Even though you weren't so impressed, I guess. No, I was just listening to you. I thought, you know what? Maybe if I put a tooth on that counter sprocket, it would respond how I'd want Whoa. a little, t- you know, just a little bit of that tame in the low end. Because I that's that's the whole thing I've gone with that direction on that bike because I want it to be aggressive and peppy. And I don't like that. And that's why I don't put double take mirrors on that bike because that's not what they're for. Going to slow it down. They're for my KTM's. Uh, okay, Mike. Uh, so how do you respond to the the? the nice guy who wanted a discount. I would tell him that, look, we're getting in November. That's black Friday territory. I know that we're going to do some pretty attractive stuff around then. So just hang on. Wait till you get, just get a little later here in November and you're going to, you're going to be able to take advantage of some, uh, some, and you know what, you know what I'd say? I'd say a lot of these companies out there are very, are small businesses. Yep. A lot of them just came through COVID. And a lot of guys that ride, particularly a lot of guys that are in town right now for a ride, are cheap. 
And you know what? Step up to the plate. Support some of these companies. Don't always ask for the bro deal. You know, just just buy from them. Support them. They're trying to feed their families and everything else. And uh, you know, people like to feel good about deals, but make them feel good. Is it like that? I so, made you exclusive up on the screen there. Yeah, hey, I'll- George, that's that's actually a really valid point. And and I have this conversation with people all the time. And I say, look, if you like, I understand it's important to save money on parts. And there's only so much money that some writers have because they have jobs and families and competing interests for, you know, scarce financial resources. Like, I get it. I totally understand that. Um, there's also another counterpoint to that. And that is long term support of the sport and keeping writing areas open and being. Uh, and shopping with people who are ambassadors for the sport. For example, when you buy something from Amazon, I never ever see in Utah or Colorado or anywhere I, where I ride where there are marked maintained trails, a sign that says this trail maintained by Amazon or Jeff Bezos or anybody associated with eBay or Alibaba. And so when a guy posts somewhere, he says, hey, I got this cool widget that's often a clone ripoff of another small business's original idea. Right. I got, I got such a good deal on that. I just kind of have to shake my head because again, to make that point often it's a, it's a Chinese clone of a, of a legitimate uh, product from a small business. And that's kind of point one. And then point two, never once have I seen eBay, sponsor a race a ride a rally an event or a trail whereas you have companies out there that do that um you know like takomoto does we have we have a, a a a very active and vibrant outreach program uh rocky mountain i see them in utah advocating for trails and spending money on trail advocacy uh slavens out of colorado there are a handful of companies that are ambassadors to the sport. They support riders, local riders. They do the right thing. Health yeah, of the sport. I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And when I, you know, like you can support this show by going through our Amazon links. I don't want you buying your motorcycle stuff there. I want you buying your big screen TVs, all the stuff you can't buy in the United States. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, waterbed heaters. Uh, <laughs> What else can you buy? Like, yeah, buy, it, buy, it, buy some spoons there yeah, or things, some, yeah, some things, plastic tumblers. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, uh, Jerry's book, uh, Jerry Bernard, our good friend Jerry Bernard's book is uh, on Amazon also. I can move it over here. I forget which way to go. Uh, th- since it's Halloween, this will give you uh, bad dreams, so you should uh, do that. Uh, and there's a lot of small businesses that are graveyard miss, by the way. I'm sure use Amazon because they just have such a broad reach and a search. Um, you know, it's, they use it. But, you know, it, my point is don't always, you right. know, call up and beat up these poor guys to the, save a couple of bucks on something, the, it, you know, that you don't really need to have to. The motorcycle industry is such a such a, a bro deal, I want to be sponsored sort of industry. And, I mean, it's it's always been that way. From I remember when I was a kid, you always wanted to, quote, get sponsored. And you would get sponsored and you'd get 10% or 20% off and you start getting used to this. And then you just, it's just out of habit. You almost ask for this sometimes. But then, you know, it's a point where 
is it you think about what you're saving and is it really worth it in the long run if if some company because i've seen companies chase their tail trying to match some other sponsor or you know gear companies that they would they would build sponsorship programs that initially were designed to to you know get their gear out there but it ended up costing them so much that their gear was out there but then they couldn't afford to make any more gear you know, i'm just, not saying never yeah. ask for a discount or a deal or whatever but yeah, you pay know, attention. Don't, don't, yeah, pay attention don't to feel it. Feel obliged to but get it. I always, know. I always say, support those that support your sport. I mean, when you have the opportunity, when when there's a decision between A and B, and A supports your sport and B doesn't, think about that. Really, really think about that. And and I'll just tell you straight up, the sponsors of this show, the people that help us out on this show specifically, and there's other podcasts and other things and other, you know racers that are sponsored by companies. If you like that racer and you, you want to get that, what they're using, that's great. Use that, you know, let, and let the company know because they're, they're out there. They're really, the reason they're sponsoring, the reason they're doing different things is they're trying to, you know, get some promotion out of it, but sometimes they don't even and that's know where a good, it comes from. That's a good thing. I think, and you can speak to this. I'm sure Mike, I, I try and tell people, hey, I heard of you from this, or I, you know, if I go to one business and they don't have something I'm looking for and they refer me over to another business, similar business, I go in and I say, hey, such and such a company just sent me over there. They, you, you, you probably got this part or something. And I think people appreciate that and everything works better and, you know, gives a, a poor guy an idea, you know, who's reaching out to people, who's, who's. Who's just a decent person, I guess. So. Yeah, it 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 definitely, anyway. like I said, it helps. It helps. It kind of just helps everything go around. And there's there's people that'll just take advantage of everything, and there's other people that genuinely, you know, want to support what they're. I in this industry, I've been in this industry for a long time. I relate to the people that have been into it for a long time, generally because they love what they're doing. They love riding. They love the sport. They they're passionate about it, and. You know, I've seen people come in and like can get rich <laughs> real quick, or they think they can, and then they realize like maybe I got in the wrong game. I don't know. Well, and some do, and they leave, and they leave a bad mark a lot of times. Right. Hey, Steve C in the chats. Who's? Did we have a Steve in the class this weekend? Obviously. Yeah, great class this past weekend, guys. Thanks for all the help and knowledge. I'm still processing half of what I learned, and can't wait to get back out and use some of it. Awesome. Hey, uh, Mike, I'm thinking about getting those wheel weights. Can I get a discount? <laughs> you want the bro deal? Is that, is that what yeah, you're... Yeah, so he, hey, he explained the bro deal. Do you know what a bro deal is? Uh, I'd like to hear what your version of it is. A bro deal is where both parties get completely screwed. <laughs> like, I'm going to... Hey, let's do a bro deal. And no matter what, you're both going to come out. It's going to... You think it's a good deal, but it's going to make wor more work on the back end for both people. So at that point, I just go, I'll just pay full, full price. Like, I don't want to, no bro deal. I just, I'll get it, no problem. <laughs> yeah, so we get people who, you know, ask every every now and then for a deal. And I tend to think, uh, we don't price match. And uh, if somebody, you know, has a huff and a puff over that and goes and buys it from somewhere else, I guess I'm okay with that. Uh, but I also would challenge in terms of like what we do for the writing community. I don't know if anybody else's who's putting their, my personal cell phone number is on our YouTube channel. It's on, it's all over the place. And I don't have a problem with somebody kind of almost 24 seven 
texting me, asking me a question to help with one of our products, or even I'm happy to help and support people with things that they didn't even get from us. Because to me, riding a motorcycle is a component of my mental health. And I really don't want to hear your personal problems. I don't want to be your therapist, but I'm quite happy to be your motorcycles therapist. And I feel that that's a duty and a responsibility that I have. And I, I take it quite seriously. And I, and I, and I, and that costs money. Like that requires. Well, time, yeah. Time, time is, time is money. And, and I mean, people can be overbearing. I, this is, it's, it's part, that's probably, that's, you know. We're going off the rails. Here. We're going off the rails. Cause I'll tell you, like the reason I do this show is for the exact reason he was just talking You, you do the same thing, Jimmy. You do the same thing. But, that's why I but, like you so much but is because I, I feel like you but have I the limit, same goal. I limit my time to a couple hours a week. Like, don't, don't try to call me Wednesday morning and ask me, Hey, I heard you on the show. And I was going to ask you this question. I'm like, we should ask it on the show. Even and that's that. And you know, that's George, you know, George calls me on Wednesday morning and does that. Well, you have the same, you have the same, I think, goal in life. Jimmy says, you know, all this is in your manual. (laughs) (laughs) No, you guys are good. You're giving something back and you're, and Mike, You're doing what you enjoy. Hey, maybe, maybe when maybe when you get the text, that's the first one. <laughs> it's like, it's like, are you sure this information isn't in your manual? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're out there listening, everybody text Jimmy and Mike with no, a stupid question. No, right no. Now. Make hey, when you've got a good question, here's the cool thing about a good question, and Michael agree with me. I'm pretty sure on this is when you get a good question, you learn some. I learn something from it. I learn how to think about it differently, or I go, oh, that's interesting and and then on your side you're thinking about like hey how can we as a company ha- offer a solution for this or a thing like the wheel weights like we went down a deep dive on you know at at hour one of this show on counterbalancing your wheel you know wheel weights and it was something i didn't know you did and now i know and and i didn't like how did i start it like i don't balance my wheels guess what i want to do now i want to balance my stinking wheels because it's so easy and i can that can make because I know it helps, but I don't think it helps that much. But I know it helps, and like, well, every little bit helps. And then George told me I'm going to get more traction, and I'm like, oh, I like I like traction. So, oh, I had a good fix for you, huh? You put that throttle, you change that throttle on your oh, Tanneray, yeah. And I'm riding this thing around in class, and I go, you know, there's like extra slop in the line, yeah, slop in the line. And then I was kind of thinking about that through my head. Depending on what the, fir- the characteristics of that first little bit of slop could make a difference in taking that out of there or not. You're right. You know, and uh, yeah, you're open enough minded to listen to something like that out of my mouth and process it and go, okay, I kind of agree with you. Well, you have a you have a gold medal. It's up it's up on my wall now. Is that staying here? Or are you going to take those back to your your uh, trophy It's hard cabinet? to say. Everything I've dropped off here could leave at any time. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, hey, Taco Mike, you know what? We answered so many questions, and this is everything went off the rails so much. We have neglected Rooster Endo yet another time. But I think there's some exciting future in the Rooster Endo uh, thing we got to all talk about. You know, there may have to be some uh, alternate prizes, some door one, two, or three choices where you may win big or you may get the wah, 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 wah. <laughs> or on the up end, you could get the what? Well, Jimmy, whatever you have in store for Rooster Endo, I think it's going to be awesome. And I'm excited to to hear, hopefully I hear about it just uh, at the same time as everybody else. Uh, Well, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
I'm going to talk to you about it because, you know, we want to make sure it's good for our sponsors. It's got to be good for the audience. But uh, I do I do really appreciate uh, the support and that. It, it was it was kind of a last-minute segment. I remember when I called you with it, and I'm like, hey, we want to do this? And you're like, yeah, I'm all in. And I'm like, I didn't even know if it was going to work, but it did work, and we'll keep it going. Uh, to the people that did send in uh, submissions this week, I did – I did get those submissions. They they did come to me finally. And here's the here's the one challenge. My email is not that hard to figure out, but they're going to have to come to my email. And if you can't figure it out, then you're not worthy, worthy enough to win the Rooster Endo grand prize, which will be announced at a later date, probably the week after I get the t-shirts done. And and not the Cholo style t-shirts that I'm running tonight. Hey George, Hey, what's up? I'm just embarrassed because I got Vans on, <laughs> not the uh, the Converse. Cons? Converse. Yeah, I'll tell you, my 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 socks are all the way up to the knees, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I can do the squat and everything. I hold the wall up, mm-hmm. all the stuff. But anyways, uh, Mike, thanks for coming on. We will uh, definitely keep in touch. It's a joy and a delight, George. Uh, fun talking to you. Hey, Mike. Uh, last time, last time I saw you, I think you just crashed your uh, Trail Ninety at a KTM uh, rally. You dropped it uh, or something, didn't you? Well, how you know we were talking about people who don't bring KTMs to a KTM rally. I brought a 1981 Honda CT110 to it. a KTM rally, and I rode it more than any KTM product the entire weekend. Yeah, <laughs> got you around though, didn't it? Yeah. Um, Hey, brand, be be brand bedextrous. It's the best thing ever. That's that that way you know what the best is because you've ridden it all. Right, I agree. So cool. Well, uh, we will uh, catch you on out on the trail. And uh, thanks for joining us. All right, fellas. Thanks. Keep okay. up the good work out See there. You, thanks. Peace out. Okay, that was uh, Taco Moto's Mike Spurgeon. Uh, like he said, uh, he answers questions. I think it's crazy that he actually puts out his information as much as he does. For answering the question, the reason I was attracted to Takamoto and what he did was he was one of the first people in the KTM 500 world that actually put out what we call a white sheet that explained, if you want this, here is this and that. And I'm like, this guy's trying to sell stuff, and he put this sheet out that basically says, if you want this, you don't need this. You don't need. You don't have to buy all this stuff. Uh, he'll sell all of the stuff to you because everybody thinks they need what they don't need. But if you're honest with yourself and you read his white sheet on this thing, you're going, wow, that, that makes perfect sense. And I was kind of surprised because at the same time, people were trying to sell us like, you know, fuel lines with extra flow, 90 degree valves in it. Like it made a difference. Cause a electric fuel pump can't push enough fuel through a, a 90 degree turn. Right. Yeah. I mean like at, at what RPM and at what flow rate is this becoming problematic? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Anyways, my flow rate is uh, running a little bit low. Uh, Victor, did Victor say anything else bad in the chats that we need you to know You know, I'm about? trying to think of what he said back there. He said <laughs> something. He's still kind of obsessed with the splinters. But uh, the, splinter, anyway, the, the splinters? High shaft speed. High shaft yeah. speed on the with, with yeah. the wooden piston and Maybe splinters. you should wear a glove and you won't get splinters there, Victor. I got a splinter the <laughs> other day. I was like, because I was, before I went into the house, I had to dig the hole. Yeah, yeah, I got a cheap tools, fiberglass splinter, maybe. No, no, it was actually wood. It's just an old, old, you know, the old trusty. So I might actually be here next week if you'll have me back. No, I don't know about that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, it could be a little rough. Keep you know, me two entertained, weeks, two or I'll be, I'll be leaving. 
<laughs> well, everybody, hey, thanks for uh, joining and thanks for watching the show. You know that this is also available live if you're listening to it in the uh, podcast format where you can see George and uh, my pre-record clown-like outfits because, you know, it's pre-recorded. Uh, if you want a George sticker, you know, should I give out your uh, your address or your no. phone number for that? No. No. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. You can't you got to ask for a George you sticker. Can't you're get not them. getting them. You can't. You, gotta, you can ask and you can say no. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you have questions, if you're listening to this and you have questions, go ahead, find the YouTube video, find the Facebook video, uh, comment on it. We uh, rifle through all those answer the questions submit your rooster endos because it's a big one coming up and uh got a class in about 10 days there's still room sign oh, yeah. up come get entertained by you, jimmy george do, do you know how i can afford to do this show it's because i have a wife that has a job oh that's uh, we weren't going to talk about that but uh she'll come out and help at the next class by the way She's coming. Well, so she's up for it. Yeah, yeah I her hope friends so. are coming, right? Yep. Yeah, she's got some friends coming out. Uh, we do an off-road motorcycle school, www.jimmylewisoffroad.com. If you want to make yourself a better rider, I know all the answers that you seek. Okay. Okay. Am I true? You'll give no? answers. I, I'll answer sure. any question that you have. You it's like it's you'll like, have an answer. I'll have an answer. It's like you're you're sitting in the studio, just like Jim is here tonight. You're sitting in the studio, but we're at the class, and you can ask me any motorcycle question that you need, and I'll answer it. And it's just like private Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, except you're going to be a better rider at the end of it. Door number three might be a chance to sit <laughs> where Jim's sitting for two hours and be part of the show. Yeah. So, uh, anyways. Uh, hey, if you're riding in the desert this week, just or... or just any time, be careful, because it's changed. Things have changed out there with all the water. Oh, you, you heard? Well, I heard that Joel rode every road, and it's all better now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so there's... Just be there's careful. A, there's actually a little uh, noob, noob riding event. I don't think this one is noob. It's just a Pahrump Rider Rally. Yeah, it's on an Adventure Rider, and he's... Uh, yeah, Val. Yeah, it's called the Pahrump Rally. It's, it's a good thing. He collects money and gives it back, you know. Yeah, and he does give it back. He really does. A Valley of the Dirt people, uh, by the way, Pahrump, welcome to... Sorry about the sound at the beginning of the show. I don't know what happened there, and uh, I'm going to try to... <laughs> and the sound at the uh, commercial break. Oh, well, that, the that's... live mic stuff, that's hilarious. You know what? Here's the... So so everybody <laughs> thinks I just pushed a button at the end of the show. You don't have to download and record things. And somehow there's the there's a computer over here on this side that updated and it reset, and I don't know about any of these settings. Like, I'm busy like crawling underneath the house trying to figure out how to fit my belly through the mud that all the p broken pipe did I, did I tell you how much i liked crawling through the mud today yeah you did yeah we digress look they're checking out jimmy they're dropping fast you better just cut it off great show my clickers are full hard live mic <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah we'll sh we'll shut this show down and go live mic. but anyways with that, everybody, we will... Uh, hold on, i got to put the, the, the thing. Hold on. You know, we've been doing this for 200 shows, everybody. That's really important. Uh, this sound is one of my favorites. And we'll see you out in the trail. Cheers. Don't say shit. It's probably still going on. Oh, you're still alive. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs>
If you liked what you saw in this video, come check us out over at dirtbiketest.com on the webs. We have bike tests, product tests, a lot of fresh dirt, and you can even support us by clicking through our links. Hopefully we'll see you out in the trail.